I'm sitting in a room full of fucking idiots. You dumb motherfuckers! You know what you did? You take Johnny O'Rourke's kid and you put him on as general organizer, pay him 36 fucking grand at the same time, you let him sell insurance to his fucking father's Can you be that fucking cocksucker Kennedy has got his nose up my ass everywhere I go? You don't know that they're hounding me. They're looking at everything I do, and you let this happen in public? You're giving it to him. do some carpentry from time to time uh joining me is jimmy two times you know he's practically family my uh, cousin arlie sepulveda hello there and uh frequent guest of the podcast this would have been his third consecutive one if we would have done it in november but you know he decided not to and push it he decided to push it back to today uh what <laughs> no, 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding what I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding my my good friend uh, my, my good friend Cade. how's it going Cade? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I heard you paint houses, CJ. Uh, I do. I do my carpentry. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, of a wise guy, you know. Oh, are you? Uh, are you a good fella? I'm a pretty good. I'm a great fella. Uh, you a raging bull? Oh uh, yeah. I I moonlight as a taxi driver Are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see anybody else here, so you must be talking to me. Do you drive taxis? I, I do, I, uh, I do, and uh, I'm, I'm considered, uh, my jokes are really funny, I'm the uh, king of comedy around here. Oh, hey, hey, look at this guy. That's the way of the future. Yeah, yeah. Way of the future. <laughs> way of the future. Um, we're today, of course, this is a very special podcast, so this is our uh, Scorsese retrospective, the greatest American filmmaker of the new Hollywood era, I would say so. And this is also our Irishman spoiler cast, so I'm going to warn you, like, yeah, this, if you haven't seen the movie, you know, set, first set aside five hours and then watch it on Netflix and then come back and listen to it. Uh, the, the first half, I think we'll, we'll, we'll just do a general discussion where we'll go, we'll, we'll go in order of, like, his movies. And then once we reach the Irishman, then we'll dive into spoilers and stuff like that. Um, so the, the way I want to start this, I kind of want to go, I, I told everyone to bring, like, the, the, you know, bring their five favorite movies and I like excluded like, his best movies. I excluded, <laughs> I, I excluded his God. most popular. I excluded his most like, yeah, popular. Sure. That, that would that's fair. Because I, if we would have included those, our list would be it's pointless. The same. Yeah. So, it would be the same. Okay, I feel you, but I still have some movies that I definitely love that you, thankfully you didn't mention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, me too. So we're good. Uh, so I, good, I think good, what we'll do is series. 
what we'll do is we'll start with those movies first. We'll start with the the, the band movies. So, um, <laughs> first on the list, we're going to talk about again. We will never talk about them again. In fact, we're never going to watch them again. I made everyone sign an NDA. We are burning them gonna... after uh, we're burning the uh, film negatives. Whoa, what happened? Did Disney Plus buy out these movies yeah. and can't show them anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Disney Plus bought them. Um, so let's start with like. So we're going to talk about his best movies. Uh, so. His earliest film that is uh, one of his most popular and his most critically acclaimed is uh, 1975's Taxi Driver. A, I, I would say it's it's sort of a noir movie. It's sort of a thriller. Um, uh, have we've all seen it, right? Okay, yeah. so you didn't tell me we we're gonna do this, so I didn't watch uh, the classics like fucking that. <laughs> so oh, okay. I've never seen it. That's fine. So that's fine. That's fine. Um, I, I didn't so... expect you to. Like, I, I honestly invited you here to point out how much of a fake fan you are. And ah. we're gonna. Ah. <laughs> we're Look, gonna... you got different types of Scorsese fans, you know? Like, sure. there, I have friends that specifically love his gangster movies. That's all he does. Well, no, if you really think about it, he really has like four gangster movies. Yeah, and he's a lot of movies. He has the gangster. I mean, if we break it down to categories, it's it's gangster movies, some horror movies, um, and like more like psychological thrillers. Yes, psychological thrillers, stuff like that. And Um, biopics. He's very diverse, more than you would realize. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. what Incredibly. people don't realize. So yeah, so Taxi Driver is the the sort of like prototypical like or like before we had stuff like Joker or um what else we or or Death Wish. We had this one movie about a deranged white guy getting mad at society and trying to kill <laughs> a political. You know, like a, a very important person. No one figured out the red flag when he decided to get a mohawk. Yeah, exactly. No one, no one looked at that. A it's mohawk. a look. It's a look. In the 70s, I guess. So Taxi Driver is a very important film in the in Scorsese's like sort of in filmography. While Mean Streets introduced us to Scorsese, like his Scorseseisms. Um, I haven't seen that movie to be honest. Yeah, I've seen it once. I didn't like it too much, but we'll talk about that in in in, in, a, in a bit because it's not as big, right? Um, so. That even in Mean Streets was his first movie. His first movie was Who's That Knocking My Door, and then he had some other ones after. But Taxi Driver was the first one to go. Oh shit! Here's this young, like you know, this this New York, you know, this this Catholic New Yorker, make like who made this movie that's caused this uproar, right? And it it was his first to be nominated for Best Picture. I don't think he was nominated for Best Director, which was like a regret of his. He was he was, and it came out the same year as. I believe it was Rocky and All the President's Men. Rocky ended up winning Best Picture, which is the mistake on the Academy's part. Incredible. Uh, I mean, I love Rocky. Don't get me wrong. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. This is it's two. These are two different movies, right there. This sure. is and this is a recurring theme. We're going to talk about you know lesser films winning awards that should have gone to more Scorsese <laughs> films. That's the whole theme of a lot of this. But so Taxi Driver is a. I would say. As far as like where it would rank among like my personal like favorites, it would be like I think it would be like top like like six or seven. I don't like it as much as everyone else did. I remember like everyone's type saying, "Okay, the only two good Scorsese or the only two like excellent Scorsese movies are always like Raging Bull and Taxi Driver." Arlie, what do you think? Like as far as like Taxi Driver's place and sort of like its 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 legacy. 
I mean, considering all the awesome movies he's made, kind of gets pushed down on the list because of like the gravity of the other movies that he's come out with afterwards. But honestly, Taxi Driver is the foundation of like what would be it's ultimately his style. That is a good point, uh, Kate. As an outsider, what do you <laughs> what do you think of it? Like, okay, so like again, you're you haven't watched it. What do you what do you think of its impact? Just like sort of on the outside and everything, because I'm sure you watch stuff with like references to it. Oh yeah, I I know. I mean, like, I've never seen it, but I know what it's about and all that. I mean, like, you have to think about it. Joaquin Phoenix has been in two movies heavily inspired by uh, the movie, and those two movies are fantastic. Uh, you Were Never Really Here and uh, Joker. And, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, those movies are fantastic, and people have pulled from it countless times. And it's also, you know, brought some very iconic moments in just the history of movies, uh, you know. You talking to me? Uh, I don't see anyone else here. You must be talking to me. You know stuff like that, and uh, it's it's very uh, impactful and very uh, memorable. And it's it's one of those movies that I think when people talk about greatest movies of the you know nineteen hundreds, they're like Taxi Drivers up there, in like the top fifty probably. And uh, again, I haven't seen it, but uh, it it's a very big deal and that's uh, that's important because it's such a small movie in terms of its scale budget all of that like it's not a movie that like got recognition like you said like it didn't get really recognized at the awards and stuff so like the fact that we can look back on it now and see it's it's power is remarkable that's what you call a cult classic yeah, yeah exactly i will say this so what taxi driver did was it it, it sort of like and I should say, like, in general, like, Scorsese was a part of this class of, like, of of directors called New Hollywood, right? So, essentially, the era of... of Lucas. Him, yeah, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, Brian De Palma, uh, John yep. Elias, like, all these other guys, right? So, he... Everyone had their distinct thing. Spielberg was a was a storyteller who really wanted to tell like emotional like stories that harken back to his childhood. Lucas was trying to find chase like this next big like trend in, in film, right? Special effects, everything. Mm-hmm. Coppola was was in a weird spot where he he he, he his peak was in that in in the seventies. He all his best movies are in that decade, and 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 that's basically it. Um, and then you know, De Palma is in a weird place. De Palma's in a weird place. He still is, I think. I, I I don't think he's gotten better or worse. I think he's just diploma. Well, I'll, put it, I'll put it to you like this. Okay. Spielberg revolutionized the blockbuster, which we now know today. And it's the reason why why uh, movies are still a, now a billion-dollar industry is because of him. We look at uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Sorry, there's a helicopter out there. He's looking for something. Um, now I feel like Hen- like Henry Hill. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, no, uh, <laughs> so Francis Ford Coppola, he was a, he, he was a guy, he's told stories like a book in his movies, such case in point, obviously the Godfather, it was a book like written out into a movie. And then, um, Del Palma, he, I've always felt like he was sort of somewhere in between uh scorsese and coppola's footsteps yeah i can see that because this is my unpopular opinion i'm not really that big on scarface <laughs> that hurts that hurts no and i kind of but i can't move 
I get it though. I get it though. It's it's a it's it's a stupid stupid body movie that only that should only exist in that decade, and it it <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. Watching it now, it does not work. It it, it it's all stupid. But man, but it it it's gonna need some serious balls and a really good director to have to pull off a like a reboot of Scarface. Exactly. Exactly. But like, you guys play the Scarface video game? Yes, that was mm-hmm. great. That game was tight. That was a good game. Pretty shit. That's pretty fucking baller. <laughs> I love... Okay, so fun fact, because we're going to talk about him in a bit. Al Pacino's voice had changed so much due to uh, you know, smoking. He was the, uh-huh. the only cast members who did not return for that game. Oh, really? No, so they got every they got everyone except for Michelle Pfeiffer because, duh. Yeah, sure. Because, yeah, again, it's Michelle Pfeiffer, the only actress, the only like actor to essentially get big from that movie. And yeah, I got Stephen Bauer. Who I mean, duh, he's not gonna go anywhere. I'm surprised. Like, I like it's funny when you get like Hollywood names and um video games like that. Yeah. But then, you know, you think about uh Grand Theft Auto San Andreas had Samuel L. Jackson as the main. Yeah, that's crazy. James Woods, bro. James yeah, Woods. Rockstar just has a lot of pull. I don't know how they fucking do it, but uh, I, I mean, mean they've uh, they've they've stared away from it in well, the Ray last Liotta, few years. Ray Liotta, yeah. played Tommy Bersetti, so yeah. Uh, a movie That's, he claimed uh, was only for the money, and I love that. Yeah, he was so bold about it. So but they like, uh, there's there's a lot of it paid for that Botox of his. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Seattle's commercials are where the fuck he does. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like the Rockstar is like they they loved having celebrities in their games like early on, and then they had such bad experiences with people like Ray Liotta. They're like, fuck this. We're never doing it ever again. In fact, we're not even getting like known video game actors. We're just going with people who you've never fucking heard of. And like, to their credit, it's worked incredibly well. Worked. That's how you get some I of mean, the best I, performances. But... Exactly. Like, starting with, what, GTA 4, they've had like yeah. some of the greatest like voice acting in any game. And guys yeah. you've yeah. never heard of. After. Yeah, exactly. Um, no. See... Uh, well, I mean, Steven Ogg blew up from Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. Trevor. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's me. gotten a lot of roles, though. I mean, yeah, like Walking Dead, Break, or Better Call Saul. Better Call yeah. Saul. Um, yeah. and he's in a bunch of like independent like, movies. Hey, so. Stephen Bauer and Mark Morgulis are in Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, uh, so a little more more Scarface. <laughs> but okay so but back like taxi driver was made in this time again where it was in the middle of like this new hollywood era right and i i misspoke earlier 75 wasn't taxi driver 76 was taxi driver because 75 mm-hmm. i and i remember correctly it was it was the year jaws had come out oh so jaws buster ja- yes jaws was the first no wait I'm getting it mixed up. Hold up, because I don't want someone to come at me, and I don't want to lose my 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 film my cinephile card. My, uh, my, my, my cinephile card. But I, I I do remember like it came out at a turning point where blockbusters were trying to get big, right? Before Star Wars and before uh, Jaws. Let's look at Taxi Driver because I'm gonna get like fired. <laughs> I'm gonna get fired here. The Taxi Driver had come out in 19. 1976, so it did come out, so it came out the year after movies like Jaws, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Nashville, what else came out that year? It was like the one year, like, every movie should have won Best Picture. Um, so it, it came out at a weird time, right? It came out after the first blockbuster, so it was already, like, a kind of movie that was on its way out. 1975, yeah, Jaws came out the year before. So it was in a weird time, Scorsese was essentially competing with his peers to try to, like, keep the sanctity of cinema. It, it, alive 
because everyone was starting to move away from movies like Jaws or movies like, um, and I hate saying this, but it's kind of true because came out that time, Annie Hall and stuff like that, where they, people were no longer looking for more artful films. People wanted to go to movies as an escape and wanted these big, lavish productions. Um, and it, it still managed to make a lot of money, but with that money, it brought a lot of controversy. Um, for those who don't know, this movie was essentially the reason why Reagan almost got shot, almost got uh, killed. Yes. This well, is... What are you saying? Uh, that's funny. Yeah, so this movie and, of course, um, Catching the Rye were the reason why yeah, Reagan almost died. So so much so that Scorsese had to be uh, <laughs> escorted to the Oscars with like security um, for his next movie, uh, Raging Bull, 1980. Cade, uh, did you see this one? Okay, so when I was planning out movies i wanted to watch for this because you said this one wasn't banned i think um i was like i'm gonna watch raging bull uh but i i I wanted to watch some of the lesser known uh martin scorsese movies that i haven't seen before then so i did not get around to this one yet but i'm probably gonna watch it this week it's good okay so yeah i've I've heard it's incredible so raging bull came out at a time where scorsese was on his deathbed uh, drug addiction, depression from New York, New York, bombing at the box office, his marriage with Liza Minnelli, like, completely tearing apart. I had no idea about any of this. Yeah, yeah, so... He was going, he was going through some heavy stuff at the time, but yeah, like you said, drug addiction and all that stuff, and he was, like, he was trying to get this movie done, and it was kind of, like, the one thing that was itching at him, and because he was, like, he was both trying to get it done, but at the same time, like, he would just be like, ah, I'm, it's pissing me off. Let me do more more cocaine. Yada, yada, yada. It was fucking up his life. And De Niro was ultimately like, yo, let's get this shit done. Yeah, it was, it was De Niro who got it off the ground. It was, like, without that. And, you know, my favorite thing about Scorsese is how brutally honest he is. So, when he was young, he couldn't play a lot of sports like the other kids because he had asthma. So he always talked. So he talked about like I don't like sports movies. I don't like sports in general and boxing. It's not really a sport. It just seems like carnage, something like that. Sure. Like damn. Well, the score says he just said back the fuck up, Chad's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where do you work out at the cinema? But this. <laughs> oh, I. So it's funny that. Okay, How tall is Martin Scorsese? Do we know? Short. Like this dude. Yeah, he's. Like, I know he's really short. By I, I, I like. Do you know exact height? Um, um we, I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. Uh, so, Kate, look up Scorsese's fight. We'll determine whether we can, we can beat him in a fight. <laughs> Scorsese height. He is five foot four. Oh, bro, I can beat him. All right, perfect. A little bigger than I thought, but yeah, he's. I could. I could fucking destroy his ass. Right, he's yeah. also like seven. Back think, in, so. in the seventies. I mean, yeah, he was probably gained weight. Yeah. I mean, he's old as hell now. I mean, he's in the seventies, late seventies. Do you get yeah, short? People start shrinking when they get past a certain age. Oh, I didn't know that. that. Okay, you're like 12, so obviously you don't know that. <laughs> you don't know that yet. You don't know like what age you I'm only getting taller, baby. Dick's getting bigger. My legs are growing taller. <laughs> but, um, so Raging Bull was like, as it, the behind the scenes stuff kind of like mirrored the turbulence of this movie. So it's based on Jake LaMotta. This infamous boxer who was like, I think it was he was a heavyweight, right? Um, or he was like, he, he was like a champion. He was this great, great, like excellent athlete, but his personal life was a mess. Two marriages, really abrasive stuff. He, him and his brother kept fighting. Um, he got arrested for a bunch of shit. 
And the movie captured that spirit pretty damn well. Um, so much so that Lamada had asked his wife, like while they're watching it, asking, like, was I that bad? And she had looked at him and said, No, you're much worse. <laughs> and wow. so the movie itself is arguably the highest point of his career so far. It is this really downer of a drama. It it, it never lets go. It's shot in, it's it's all in black and white. Which I Would love. you say it's like Semi-autobiographical? It could be. I think okay. so. I think, okay, so to that point, I think a lot of those movies are autobiographical to a, to a point. And, yeah. and you'll see that. I think what Scorsese, and I, I want to say this for, the, for a little bit later, but I, I, will, I will say this now. Scorsese movies share, they share a lot of things. So, you know, a lot of the motifs in them are about, like, how shitty men can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? How anger and, yeah. and this pursuit of, like, Power is is an awful thing. Um, they also share a love of cinema. Every movie is essentially a love letter to the movies of the, the movies he either liked or the movies he wanted to make. Yeah. And Raging Bull is 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 a good mix of that, right? It takes place in in New York in I believe like the forties or um like early in the decade, like in the mid in the mid nineteen hundreds. Yeah. So it takes place around that time. Clearly, when Scorsese was young, it's about a an Italian American family. You know, like again, a pretty on the nose there. Yeah, he has this love affair with Italians. I don't know what it is, but um, I it, it it deals a lot with those themes. Again, toxic masculinity. This uh, Lamada was this violent. I wouldn't call him a womanizer so much so as a coercer. Um, he mm. he got he got arrested for introducing like like these guys to underage girls. At, at his club, <laughs> he 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 gets like angry in jail. Like, he punches the wall. He's always fighting. He accuses his brother of sleeping with his wife to the point where he breaks his nose. <laughs> Which actually, Pesci and, and and okay, and a big important thing about Scorsese um, is his use of like cast members or actors. Um, so this one introduced the world to Joe Pesci, who was a struggling actor who owned a restaurant in New York. Scorsese called him up. And they and he was in this movie, arguably one of his best roles, where he played uh, Lamada's brother. Um, and this sort of like like again, it's just depressing to see this man like kind of fall into like despair. But he also kind of deserves it, which is again is another frequent theme of Scorsese films. The sort of like you're a shitty person, you're gonna get what's coming. Yeah, you're gonna get what's coming. So this one introduced us to Joe Pesci, who's an who, Joe Pesci's a staple. De Niro's obviously he's been a staple already. Mm-hmm. Of, of Scorsese films, you know, Mean Streets, uh, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, all that stuff. Raging Bull. So up next in the sort of like best of series. So ten years past. This movie's nominated for Best Picture also that year. Um, anyone want to guess what movie beat it out? Uh, I... What? What for Raging Bull? Yes, but beat out Raging Bull for Best Picture. I, I, I should know this one. Hold on. I feel like I know it too. Love. Is it Out of Africa with Meryl Streep? No, that came out later. This one that beats it out is Robert Redford's directorial debut, uh, Ordinary People. Ah, okay. It sweeps almost. Uh, De Niro won Best Actor. He, he won. He won Best Actor for this because he and he transformed. He this is the second Oscar because he won for The Godfather Part Two. He lost a lot of weight, gained a lot of weight for this. He trained bo- in you know boxing and everything. Lamada was at the Osc- the Oscars, uh, the year of to see him win the award. But Raging Bull, again, second time, Best Picture nominee, Best Director did not win. Which I think the Best <laughs> Director hurts more. 
Oh the, yeah. This was his first nomination for best director. Did not win. Cuz best director like if you don't win best picture like that's that's a hard thing to like accomplish but I feel like best director once you're in that nomination like it's very personal. Um Yeah, because director's only well, best, best picture implies the whole yeah. team did awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a, which is a, a great thing by the way. Like yeah, it's like, yeah. but it's it, that surprise for the producers. So unless your mm-hmm. name unless your yeah, name exactly. is on it, you're not going to get anything out of it. Um, yeah. It... Yeah, so he 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 was down and he didn't win again very personal. Uh, fast forward ten years, Scorsese comes back to a genre that he holds near and dear to his heart, being the gangster drama, and he releases Goodfellas, uh, a sort of biographical like look at the life of Henry Hill. Um, I'm gonna say it right now, Art. This is probably my favorite Scorsese movie, and probably my favorite movie of all time. I um, think it's a lot of people's favorite yeah, Martin Scorsese movie. Definitely, definitely a lot of people's. It's at least like top three. all time list, including yeah. my own. It's just it's it's a masterclass in storytelling. It is. It's and it just has this like rhythm to it where like everything pops like in terms of dialogue. It's humorous, so like it's not like I think some gangster movies like um, it, uh, sometimes Godfather, you know, bit dreary, bit a uh, bit heavy. It but you know, like God, yeah. Godfather is very slow paced. Yeah, um, and it, it doesn't very, have the. It gives you. The Godfather gives you time to take everything in and mm-hmm. absorb everything. Yes. Really not. And but Goodfellas approaches it with open arms. It literally it welcomes you into their world and yep. like, hey, come on over, you know? Yeah. At the table, Very, uh, we're waiting for you. Exactly. That's exactly it, how you feel watching Goodfellas. They welcome you in there right off the bat. You feel good right off the bat. The energy that the movie starts off with is so so I would not. I don't want to say positive, but it's so. It is. Um, yeah, I know well, what you mean. It's glamorous. It, it's, it's, it's a snappy movie. It's like we're here. You know, we're gonna talk about some dark shit. Like this is not like we're not endorsing anything here. There's some crazy stuff that's gonna happen, but it's it's a fun ride. I can't and, wait to talk about the Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. I was doing side by side comparisons with this with Goodfellas and this movie because. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get to it though, but yeah. yeah um, I, sorry, I, I interrupted you, Cade. No, it's alright. But like, um, yeah, like Goodfellas is just like, I don't know. There's something about it where like it's it's something like a story you can only have the lens through, like a Scorsese style. Like he he can do this. Like I I feel like everyone who who does a movie like this is imitating him. Yeah. Um, like even not to make this about video games again, but like. Uh, Mafia 2 is heavily inspired by like things like Goodfellas and stuff and it's very in that vein and I feel like all of that comes from Martin Scorsese. He he pioneered and innovated in like a really he's not doing anything like that's like super out there like it's not like uh, inconceivable but like it's just like it's fresh and it's exciting and it's fun and you just won't like, my dad he's he's one of those dads that when Goodfellas is on fucking AMC or whatever. Yeah, he's like, I gotta watch Goodfellas. I gotta watch Goodfellas. I, so, Don't blame To your point, Cade, yes, I w- you know what's funny? Um, I talked about this on the podcast already, and I, I talk, I'm talking about it next, this week in the podcast again also. Uh, I'm, I'm replaying Mafia 3. And yeah. the story in that, again, very Scorsese-like. 
where it, yeah. quick cuts to flashbacks, quick cuts to yep. interviews, quick cuts to all this yep. stuff. And and so that's a huge part of this movie. Um, and we haven't talked about it yet. Thelma uh, Thelma Shoemaker. She is a a his wife, Henry Hill's wife. No, 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 no. Editor uh, Scorsese's like frequent. Oh, I'm that's sorry. I'm gonna mention her. Yeah, she is a. I, I don't know how to describe her. Like the way she she works with with what she's given and the way she she can cut a movie. Um, I had a teacher in high school who described Goodfellas as. Yeah, it being shot like a music video, and yeah, it's so damn true. And that is, yeah, and it and that's not even a detriment to it. That is just no, for sure. It moves at a brisk pace. The movie's like two and a half hours long, almost. Yeah, and it does not feel like it. It whizzes yeah. by like a, like a car. Like you know what I'm saying? That opening where the the titles come up, this where you know whizzing by like a car. Mm-hmm. That's that's essentially setting you up like okay, this is the movie you're watching. So either catch up or just don't watch it at all. Yeah, and I love it for that because that's a a frequent thing of Scorsese now. I think post Goodfellas, it, it this is a theme of his movies, or not a theme. Mm-hmm. This is the way he he tells the stories. They have a lot of narration. They have a lot of uh, frequent cuts, pauses. They have they they flashbacks. A freaking like hard on for New York and Italian culture. <laughs> a so all this all this stuff sort of adds up in the Goodfellas, and Goodfellas is the sort of amalgamation of all that. Goodfellas is probably the best example of that that he's ever going to do, with the exception of another movie I'll talk about in a, in a later. And it it's not so much a crime epic, but it is a story. It is a really good like like story told in in, the, in three different decades. Um, mm-hmm. We have uh, Ray Liotta as Henry Hill, yeah. which is arguably his best and probably only worthy performance, with the exception of his uh, B movie cameo. Ray Liotta in the B movie is the best thing ever. Uh, Have you ever seen Killing Him Softly? Yes, I love that movie so damn much. That is Ray Liotta in that movie because I just love how he dies in that movie. (laughs) Oh, nothing is more satisfying. And listen, I love Ray Liotta as an actor. I'm not like no 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 disrespect. But watching him, but watching him get his face blown off in that movie was honestly very satisfying. (laughs) Oh, Ray Liotta. But that was fucking awesome. <laughs> but like, so Ray Liotta, I don't think anyone else could have played Henry Hill, the sort of everyman. Person. No, no, like I, I adore, I love, I love his narration. Yeah. It's kind of weird because, like, you know how Ray Liotta just has that, you know, he has a weird, like, sharp, pretty boy eyes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I think that's what Henry Hill was. Like, he was this like everyman, pretty boy, just pick him off the street. And and have yeah. you know what I'm saying? He he looks like a guy with a house, with 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 a wife, kids, and a house on your neighborhood, basically. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and the interesting. Yeah, cool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're saying. No, I'm saying like uh, thought I had about uh, Goodfellas was the fact that it was like it was essentially it was about a f- uh, like a family made up of other families in a way. Yeah. It's a sort of like. It's not your direct family because early on in the movie he talks about his parents and then just as early, just as quickly as we forgot about, like, just as quickly as he forgets about his parents, we forget about his parents. Yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and I, I will say, to, to your point, this is essentially a tour of, like, or a behind-the-scenes of, this is how the mafia works. This is how... This is how family, it's camaraderie, it's a sort of fraternity, if you will. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I love it for that. Um... I don't, and you know, again, it, I don't think it it, glor- it glorifies it at all because this everyone gets their shit handed to him. With and and, <laughs> it's, and when you read about Henry Hill, so he at the end of the movie, spoilers for a twenty nine year old movie, 
of the great, you know, like watch it. Um, he he gets put in the witness protection program. The witness protection program. Um, this mm-hmm. dude just kept talking about everything that happened. He had to get put out of witness protection program. The FBI had like with you as a liability, so like, all right, screw it, you're not going to protect anymore. Um, so he what? Did he go to jail again at some point? He did. He did, and the movie tells you that. Um, he but he milked Goodfellas to death. Like he told the story everywhere. He 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 was like um. What what's the what's the term? Um, he was um put into this Hall of Fame at, at this like gangster museum in New York. Where he, <laughs> he, he screamed the movie. He screamed the uh, the movie. Um, uh, the glorified snitch. Yeah, he is, and I and I kind of dig that. I love that. I love that this it's like cool. Like, yeah. Um, and he has nothing to worry about because everyone involved died. The the yeah. the character that the, the person Jimmy's based off is dead. Person Paul like he died before. Like, so. He has, he's good. Henry Hill's good. He, he is so good, he did the commentary for the uh, Blu-ray of Goodfellas. Wait, oh. what? Yes. The ball from that guy. There is There are two separate commentary tracks on the Blu-ray, because I'm a nerd and I listen to them both. There is one with um, Scorsese um, and and Ray Liotta, and I think someone, uh-huh. I forgot who, I think, maybe, oh, and Nicholas Poligi, who wrote the, uh, okay. the screenplay in the book that this movie's based off of. And there's another one where you have, I think, the DA who got him, and Holy Henry Hill. Shit. It's a cops and crooks one where they talk about whether or not it's like whatever happened. I'm buying this right now. It's like, I mean, uh, I, I, <laughs> I own the triple pack with the party. Like, I, I should be listening to this. It's a, it's a, I, I'm That's such a awesome. nerd for commentaries like that, but I it's absolutely adore it. right now. I'm getting that. Get that Blu ray. Um, I, so I, I thought that was cool. I, I do, I, Henry Hill is such a fascinating character. Everyone in this movie is fascinating from, yeah, Jimmy played by, Robert De Niro, who's like the sociopathic, like <coughs> nice guy. You know what I'm saying? This guy who he gives money to yeah. everyone, but he loves like robbing, and he and he he'll kill with no remorse. Um, oh, I, no, but I love his like. I, I love when he starts getting super paranoid at the end. Oh, me too. And it, it, I will say, as much as I love De Niro, he's playing De Niro in every movie. Like he's not he's not a character <laughs> actor at all. Well, no, no, no. That was the point where we started realizing that's De Niro. Yeah, like, I want. There's something, there's a movie coming up where I'm going to completely detest that idea, but continue. <laughs> Alright. Right. Okay. Do I, you know what I'm talking about? Is it Casino? No. Uh, Alright, we'll worry about it later. Is it a De Niro movie? Yeah. What's coming up next? What, The Irishman? No, never mind. Just, we'll talk about it, I'm what sure. If we don't talk about it, we'll just... Okay. It's Cape Fear. Oh, it's Cape Fear. Okay, see, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Oh. Okay, okay. Uh, I, have, I have things to say about that movie. Listen, listen. <laughs> have you guys seen Last Temptation of Christ? Nah. Alright, so that's what I thought. Um, so Goodfellas is a... I haven't seen it either, so I don't know what I'm talking about. So Goodfellas <laughs> is... I think, in my opinion, it's a masterclass in how to make a Scorsese film. It is yeah. the... It is, I think, the best one. If someone wants to like watch... Okay, what's the... The movie I need to watch to get into him. Uh, it's, it's good. It's good, fellas. Now, if That's they what? if they want a more modern movie, we'll talk about it later. But there's another good it, modern. Uh, Goodfellas. Nah, well, look, Goodfellas is the movie to show anybody who says that they're about movies and say, "Oh yeah, I like movies." It's like, okay, have you seen Goodfellas? And I'm like, no. I'm like, oh man, you're fucking wrong. You're missing out, bro. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna tell people they suck because they haven't seen a movie. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a lot of classic movies myself, and I consider myself, you know, a cinephile. Yeah. But you know, we just sometimes we just let some stuff. Can't slip watch that 
something. Yeah. Or like, and so Bobby like, but you're missing out though. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. I mean, look, I've only watched Marvel movies, so I just watched all these movies today. These uh, Scorsese movies. So clearly, I don't know much about movies. <laughs> but I have to write the whole list for you, CJ. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, well, he had to write it because I don't know how to read. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm like, oh wait, this isn't the Incredible Hulk. So, um, Goodfellas again. Like, I think it, it's his sort of like high point. It's his. It's him at his peak. It's his prime. His. The nineties was his prime, up for sure. I will say, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. I think I I, I will argue at the eight the seventies through eighties, and then since this came out at the beginning of the nineties, I think that's like. Goodfellas is like the last great well, thing he's done for a while. Well, this next movie you're going to talk about are two of his biggest movies. Okay, so up next, some of the more popular ones. We have Casino, which came out in 95. So, oh, wait, 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 hold up. Goodfellas. Can you all guess what movie beat it out for Best Picture? Hold up. Probably oh, wasn't it? Not good. Um, hold up. I know this. I thought it won Best Picture, honestly. Ha, you'd be wrong. No, I know the first Scorsese movie that won Best Picture. We all do. It's, it's classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I love that movie, too. But, um... Uh, okay. So I like how Lola said what it was. It wasn't Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, was it? No, that one... That came out way later, right? 93 or 94, I believe. Yeah. Great movie, too. A lot of Hold parallels up. with another movie that we're going to talk about. Um, uh, okay, it was... I want to say, say Silence of the Lambs, but that was 91. Yes. Okay, I will say it's a, it's a Western. It's a Western that beat it out. And it sucks, in my opinion. It was... I think Which one is it? It's, it's not Tombstone, is it? It's another directorial debut from an actor. Oh, Clint Eastwood? No. Well, he's directed before. No, no, no. It's another one. What's one actor who's... who's who, who, I'm trying to think. How do I describe it? All right, fuck it. It's Dances with Wolves. It sucks. Um, oh, Kevin Costner? Yes. Oh, that was one of the most god-awful movies to have ever been made. And if you see it today, it's racist as hell. I, I would assume sure. so. I don't I don't think uh, Kevin Costner's like the sort of like... Um, the, uh, what is it? The symbol of like good, uh, like judgment and like being woke. I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, we uh, care for Cosner as an actor. No, no, not at all. Except for one movie, um, Three Thousand Miles to Graceland. If you've never seen it, I strongly recommend that movie. It's Kurt Russell and Kevin Cosner playing Elvis impersonators. I love, <laughs> I love Kurt Russell. You should um, watch that movie. Before yes. we move on, Goodfellas. Should we talk about like the the one like famous scene? Like, I mean, there's a lot of famous scenes in that movie, but oh, the, yeah, the yeah. really good one. The... Do I amuse you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Can we all mention what's what's your favorite scene from Goodfellas? Yes, yeah, so let's go. It's with probably that scene. Okay, uh, Arlie, you. Go get your fucking shine box. Perfect. Um, for me, because I, I literally watched it right before recording, and so I'm trying to, and I'm, I'm a bunch came flooding back. But I will say my favorite scene is, um, the the scene where Tommy. Jimmy and Henry are talking to Tommy's mom at dinner after they killed yeah. the, the Shinebox dude. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. just that story, everything feels so natural, right? That's Scorsese's mother playing Tommy's mother. And yeah, really? I love that. I love his parents are in this movie and I love that. I love I love like seeing his parents in movies. It's, it's fucking great. So them talking, him telling that joke, and I don't know exactly I'm gonna butcher it. It's like what is like um compadre asks, like, oh, why don't you talk why don't you talk? And he's like and you know he, he says what what do you want me to say? That my wife's two timing me, uh, and she says, oh, "Shut up! You talk too much." I love that. I love how she pulls a painting that she painted out of thin air, and it's like these two dogs, and it's like I and and um, Joe Pesci says, um, 
Uh, I like this. One dog's looking one way, but the other dog's looking the other way. This, this dude here, he's like, <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> I'm like, that's so funny. Um, I, I do, before we move on, actually, no, I do want to talk about Pesci. He won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for the arguably his most mm-hmm. famous role. Um, like Kate said, the... the uh, do I amuse you? That scene is ingrained in, like, everyone's mind as, like, when they think of Goodfellas, because I, I think it, this just showed us, oh, this is Joe Pesci, like, Joe pesci And <laughs> in this movie, he does a great job playing Joe Pesci. He really yeah. does. Because yeah. this is his character. This, is the same, this movie came out the same year as Home Alone. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. And, they're, and, he, and then he's playing the same yep. character. One, one I, just curses. One just curses a lot. I just watched Home Alone yesterday. It's the funny thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, it's the start of the holidays. Home Alone's my favorite holiday movie Classic. of all time. Uh, but like so i joe pesci is like i think like he he does such a good job in this movie playing this dude bust everyone's balls he's kind of annoying sorry. he's an annoying ass friend we all yeah. hang out with who's just too fucking yeah. Uh, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah he kills so many fucking people out of pure anger like he kills spider um again he killed a dude just for c- t- calling him a shoe shot you know what i'm saying like he killed, yeah like yeah. He brutally murdered him in the a back man yeah exactly Exactly, and he. Did, oh my god, the scene where he's gonna get made. Oh my god. Oh he's my literally. Uh, what's it? Uh, he he's Joe from Mafia Two. I mean, granted, Mafia Two borrowed the character of oh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I do. I love the parallels. But the, that game is just Goodfellas, the video game, and I always love like the similarities and um, like when Vito goes to beat up his sister's abusive boyfriend or whatever and then that reminds me of the scene one of my other favorite scenes in goodfellas is when he grabs like the butt of or he grabs his like revolver or whatever and goes over to his neighbor's house and beats the fuck out of him and he's like don't fucking look at my wife or whatever he says it's just like oh that's just like i love stuff like that where like the tension's building but it's not like the like main point of like any of the plot or anything but like there's this really tiny subplot and like like other movies even um where like there's some tension between some characters, and then it finally just, pow, and that's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Where he just beats the fuck out of this guy's face with the butt of his revolver. Also, um, can we talk about how Samuel Jackson gets killed in his underwear in this movie. What great, I love <laughs> Sam Jackson in this movie. I, that's just so funny. Like, smallest role. part. Smallest part. Uh, Honestly. Another another thing about this movie. Um, uh, use of music. So Scorsese has a, yeah. such a hard on for such a, again more for like sixties and seventies pop music. Specifically, Gimme Shelter, which is the, this is yeah, the first movie. Yeah, Stones, Gimme Shelter. Shelter is like his most commonly used song. I'm surprised it wasn't in the Irishman. I was about to say that, yeah. yeah. And in all his gangster movies, he not only uses that, he uses a lot of Ronette song, despite, and you know, again, you know, Phil Spector and Murderer. Um, he, the way he uses the uh, Frosty the Snowman in that bar scene after the robbery, mm. one of my, again, one of my favorite scenes where he keeps telling them, what I fucking tell you, don't buy anything. No expensive. Don't spend this money. Don't, Jimmy. Like I love. That's a a hilarious contrast right there. If you go to the YouTube comments of that song, it's all quotes from that scene. When you, I looked it up. I'm like, oh, you know, it's Christmas. Let's put this. That's awesome. And I love it. And like, what did I tell you? What did I? I love that. The movie is so such a big deal that it took over Frosty the Snowman. Exactly. (laughs) It took over a sentient snowman you know, from the heavens. Um, and there, you know, other uses of music. Um, the Tony Bennett song, Rags to Riches in the beginning, after he 
does this whole narration saying, you know, I, I as far back as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a gangster. The horns and then the close and that that zoom in on him. Boom! I love that. I love yeah. the that he kissed me. Um, song where they're walking through the Copacabana. That tracking yeah. shot, beautiful. Oh my god, iconic. I was gonna mention that that scene, that one track shot right there. Beautiful, beautiful. That's sort of like his introduction to like this underworld of like scum yeah. and like gangsters and everything. That boomer ass comedian who's like, uh, take my <laughs> wife, like a stupid ass boomer joke. <laughs> well, are you are you really dissing the ever legendary? Rodney Dangerfield? Is that who that is? That's not him. Yeah. That's not him. He's take my wife, please. Yeah, that's it. I'll, t- I'll look it up. He will not, look it up, Kate. If, if, if Arlie's wrong, he's canceled. Rodney <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Dangerfield, good no, fellow. Take my wife, please. Is that a joke? That, that, that I can't uh, no. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Well... It's some guy named Henry Youngman. Is that is that like Ronji, Rodney Dangerfield's real name? <laughs> no, well, it's anyway, not. But I I, I, I love that scene where it ends, and he says like, "I'm in construction. I'm a union delegate." Love that. I love that. Um, so we can talk about Goodfellas all day, but I, I just want to like touch on like how important this movie is because it sort of sets the trajectory trajectory of like everything after. There's a you know pre Goodfellas, post Goodfellas, in my opinion, um, era. Two different eras for Scorsese. Um, and Goodfellas represents his sort of like, oh, gangster movies are my niche now. And these are the movies that I'm going to be remembered by. Which is, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, mm-hmm. But arguably this man knows how to like capture how awful it is, like this lifestyle is. Because again, I, it, it never rewards anyone. Everyone gets no. their, everyone gets what they... Everyone gets fucked over. And there's a movie that we will probably talk about where that is, like, the most prevalent thing. It, it, uh, it is, and it, it's amazing. And, and some people just missed that. And I'm looking at the box art right now. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the Wolf of Wall Street. It, oh, yeah. I was thinking of another one, actually. Oh, but look, what? Look, so we'll move on. Wait, hold up, hold up. So save your discussion, because I haven't seen that one okay. Because I haven't seen that one either. All right. So we're going to talk about... Okay, so Casino's up next. Now, Casino comes out, uh, gets good reviews. He's, I think, the mm-hmm. Sound Best Director, a Golden Globe Best Director. Um, but it, it kind of gets a little bit more mixed because everyone's thinking, oh, he's just kind of retreading Goodfellas. Now, to an untrained eye, yes. To uh, someone who watches Marvel movies, yes. Of course, he's just retreading Goodfellas. But, I, you know, I'm kidding. But, like, this is more of an epic than a biopic. This is mm-hmm. a massive movie. It's a long-ass movie. Two hours and 45 minutes. It is a big, big movie, and it it does, but it does obviously touch upon a lot of the themes of Goodfellas. You know, sort of decadence and crime, a lot of like shady people, uh, the Robert De Niro, the Joe Pesci, uh, and uh, Sharon Stone was uh, it plays um De Niro's wife, right? Yeah. So I again like there the there's Gimme Shelter, of course he's in it, um, but it's a cover. Yeah, I will say though about Casino, De Niro actually acts a little differently in this movie. Yes, yes. He played. He's supposed. To, I mean, he's the protagonist of the movie. He's supposed to be the one that's trying to be cool, calm, and collective. You know, and he's supposed to be a Jewish person. So again, yeah, which is funny. He's always acting like these, like different, like uh, he's either Jewish, Italian, or Irish. <laughs> um, but so Casino is I got I, it, it's a weird spot in time, right? 
this is like an era in the 90s he's directed a bunch of different movies like you know age of innocence uh cape fear <laughs> uh kudan i don't know how to pronounce it this is a fucking uh buddha movie um he's done he's done some really wacky and weird stuff but casino was sort of like all right this is like the most return to form yeah it's a scorsese yeah. list of, of 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 those movies um and I, I will say this is a brutal ass movie oh yeah oh brutal like the what was it the the, the saw the bus saw I'm talking. I was thinking about the vice grip, but yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh. Joe Pesci broke a rib. I think. I think it was Joe Pesci. He broke a rib. Uh, doing this movie. Probably. Not. Hey. Probably. Uh, Don Knotts is in. The, no, Don Knotts. Don Rickles is in this movie, and I love. Don him. Rickles is in this movie. And I fucking love. Yeah. Him. There's two potato heads in this movie, and that's funny. <laughs> no, but like, you know, well, you know, Don Rickles was like the. He was the Jeffrey Ross of like the '70s and '80s. He could get away with like insulting mobsters like directly to their face. Yeah, that was his whole shtick. He was an insult. Well, he he's in the Irishman. Yes, he's Mark, in the Irishman. Not, yeah, yeah, not Don Rickles, but it's yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, they did. They did. They did make a nod to Don Rickles in that movie. I forgot yeah. about that. I love that. I I love that little thing. Um, it's great. But so this one, um, again, it does it does a hundred percent feel like Goodfellas. It does feel like a lot of those movies, but. It feel I don't know what it is about it that's that just makes it so special. It's it's nowhere near my favorite, um, because I think everything that that's done in it has been done better like before or after. But I still think it's a special movie, and I I do recommend it if you want something like Goodfellas, directed by the director of Goodfellas. You know what I'm saying? Something that doesn't feel like I I still think it's a fantastic movie, and the ending is incredible. Yes, I agree. I love when they had they switch narrator perspectives properly in the movie, but I love the fact that you think the narrator is the one that's in control, and then you realize, oh no, they are not. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. Like, I mean, do, should I just spoil the ending of? Yeah, yeah, go just, ahead, go ahead. I mean, it's, it's, like yeah. just the part like uh, Joe Pesci goes out to the desert, and he's so sure that you know they're about to like lay out somebody in the desert. He's like, all right, I can't wait to happen. Blah 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 blah. He gets popped in the head and falls in the freaking ditch. <laughs> And then, like his his monologue gets cut short. I love right that. Myron Scorsese loves to kill Joe Pesci. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I mean, I think he just likes killing off his actors like with no no remorse. Going to church. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so let's move on to. I I don't know if this one would be considered a big popular movie, but I, I want to talk about it anyway because it kind of falls into like that gangster ish drama. So 2002, turn of the millennium, a year after a year after 9-11, Scorsese's um, <laughs> hometown, you know what I'm saying, like New York is like kind of in shambles, and most of the country is, a lot of movies are. So he directs a tribute to his city, the, the birth of it, with Gangs of New York. Now, this How is a not popular movie. That movie was up for Oscars like no, crazy. I will say, but I don't think a lot of people like ever talk about it in the sort of like... It's... It's a weird movie. It is so. Okay, so it was a weak movie. Weak. I would say. Okay, so yeah, we'll get into that because I uh, will talk because I, I I have a lot to say about that. So I have no idea how they got Daniel Day Lewis in this movie. That is really weird too. <laughs> um, but so this movie, it is the first time we see a, another. So this is um, I'm trying to think. What was the last collaboration with uh, De Niro? I think it was like. It was I, which came out first, Cape Fear or uh, Casino? Casino came or no, out. Cape, Cape Fear Cape came out Fear. before Casino. So was Casino like his last? I, I assume Casino was like his last Probably. collaboration. Yeah. Um. So then this is his first collaboration with the new Muse and Leonardo DiCaprio. 
The Gangs of New York is this mo- is this movie that takes place after the Civil War with the Five Points Gangs, you know, and it, it's this epic historical drama, massive, like, you know, it's also incredibly <laughs> long. I think it's as long as Casino. It's about two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, it's really long. Daniel A. Lewis plays a sort of, like, a fictionalized version of real-life gangster Bill, you know, Bill the Butcher, a boxer, gang, gangs, you know what I'm saying, this good gang, yeah. gang leader. Um, Daniel A. Lewis, this is his first collaboration with Scorsese. This is his second. He did Age of Innocence with Winona Ryder in the 90s with, with directed by Scorsese, also nominated for Best Director for that movie. So, Gangs of New York is a weird movie, because in, in, in its, like, purest form, it is a gangster movie. It's like a blockbuster, though, like a, like a, a very more traditional I feel yeah, almost yeah. like it was more like an Oscar grab type of movie. Yes. Yeah. But it still had the Scorseseisms, right? A lot of yeah. like liberal use of like uh, language, a lot of like blood, violence, that sort. All of those missing was Gimme Shelter. Like, oh, like <laughs> that would be a weird fit in that movie. Yeah, like, a, like a mandolin, I guess. Um, and also, <laughs> a little fun fact: John C. Riley's in this movie. Um, yep. was, he was he yeah. had the distinction of being one of the few actors to be in. Three Best Picture nominees in one year. What? He was in in Chicago, which ended up winning Best Picture. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and he was in The Hours. Well, wow. Um, so he was what a man. I love John C. Riley, man. I love. Um, you ever um, seen him in uh, Boogie Nights? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He's great that. So this movie again, it's a very strange one. Uh, I think Scorsese was trying to because he wanted to make this movie for the longest time. Because he, when he was younger, he would walk past these churches that were there since the 1800s. If you've been to New York, it's like every building there is built in like a, like a different century. Um, <laughs> it's all this shit. There's no AC. Um, it smells like piss, but I love it. And it, and they have a charm. They're um. So he wanted to do this for a while with like Christopher Walken and Robert De Niro since like the 70s. Um, that didn't happen, of course. So here we are now with the DiCaprio and Danny Day Lewis. Off the bat, DiCaprio, not like one of the weakest aspects of this movie. I was gonna say the same thing. He he has a uh, very poor Irish accent. What's your name? Brad has a way better Irish accent in Snatch. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's your name? So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm the same. I came out the same year. Funny enough, I think so. Yeah, right. I think I believe Snatch came out in two thousand two. Also. Um. But yeah, Brad Pitt does an but he plays an Irishman in that movie, and he does it very, very convincingly. And fortunately, young DiCaprio not so well. But this is the very start of his uh, partnership with um, Scorsese, which obviously will grow into, and we're about to go into more of the movies coming up. But um, yeah, but like, so it was very popular when it came out. It was nominated for almost every award, but I do I think that's due to Harvey Weinstein's influence on this movie. Because he was interested. Yeah, and he was aggressive. Okay, this is the same man who was so influential and so powerful in Hollywood at the time. He got a he got everyone to do like a eight minute standing ovation for Clerks Two. At the, the <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I mean that was a Miramax film, so yeah, that makes. Kind of agree. I mean, I don't know. It, it's just everything about this. It feels weird. Like Daniel Lewis, I think it, it's my favorite performance by him, hands down. I like it even better than um than than. There will be blood. I like it slightly. I mean, I haven't seen the master yet, so I don't know. But I, this is, in my opinion, his best. Him at his best. Plays his racist. Phantom Thread. Yes. You have to watch Phantom Thread. Yeah, probably. But I think this is his greatest so far. He plays this angry, racist, um, 
stuck in his old ways, um, uh, gangster who just wants the complete power over everything and everyone. Um, uh, I will, there's a, another few, so this was nominated for almost every award, won nothing. Um, that year, the movie that beat it out for Best Picture was Chicago. Um, mm -hmm. He lost Best Director to Roman Polanski, gross, for The Pianist. <laughs> um, and he, who also, who was... Also, granted, The Pianist was a fantastic movie, though. I have no reason to watch it now. But he, he, um, and he wasn't even there, and he, he got that standing ovation. Adrian Brody's best movies. What? It was one of Adrian Brody's best movies. I imagine so, 100%. But, um... I, I so he he did not win anything out, which I mean I guess this would have been a a, a shitty like first best director for. Granted, yeah, I under I, I agree. Like I think this probably would have been like yeah, it probably would have sucked for him to win this first. Um, which takes us to our next movie. So fast forward four years, did he do anything else before this? Yes. Um, he did the Aviator, which was yeah. I think uh DiCaprio's proving like he pr proving himself as a as a cable actor under Scorsese's wing. No pun intended. Um. It's it's less a biopic and more of a a what is it? It's more of a, like a, a sort of like oh this is what happens when you go crazy trying to make art. This is how dangerous like an artist like can or how how much an artist can push like um can push themselves or push other people. Um and before I I'll, I'll hand it to you guys once I I just want to say um one of my Twitter mutuals Michael Chow he he brought this good point up this good analogy. That the plane crash it could be like a, like a jab at, uh, what's his name, um, John Landis, director of American Werewolf in London, and a segment in the Twilight Zone movie that caused two kids to die in a helicopter crash after he didn't get the correct clearance. And he's kind of been outed, so no one, you know what I'm saying, and his son's a piece of shit too. But it is an interesting like point to make, like, hey, listen, you're responsible for people's lives at the end of the day. Don't push yourself for the sake of other directors. You know what I'm saying? We hear about these directors who kind of push their actors, and I think the I think the Aviator kind of like kind of showed us like, oh shit, this is like a serious thing. If that makes sense, I feel like I'm rambling, but um, what do you have to say about this movie? They could have gone further with it with Howard Hughes' life. They cut it off a little too early. It's a really long movie. It's almost. Three hours. If it's not three hours, it that's might be funny, three hours. That's the funny part, though. But like, you could tell more more stories about this man's life. <laughs> I like how horny it is. It's very. It is a horny ass movie. I love it's that. P, is it PG thirteen though? It is. It is, and it's all. That's crazy. And it's it's what is it? it's essentially Howard Hughes being like, movies need more tits and need to be horny. Yeah. Like that's fucking hilarious. I fucking that. All right, The Aviator is like one of my. Uh, favorite least uh like recognized i don't want to say least recognized but you know in the grand scheme of things uh leonardo DiCaprio movies um okay. I, I like it a lot just because i think it's i didn't know anything about howard hughes before i watched it. Like, i knew of him and stuff but i didn't know like the great specifics so i i enjoy watching it it's, it's just like a life of a very weird crazy man who just has all these crazy things happen to him and I, I love mean, the idea of. I had a million ideas. Yeah. And everyone was like, "Yes, yes, yes." What's next, Mr. Hughes? Yes, yes. And he's like, "Okay, so next up, I'm gonna do this and this and this." He was Hideo Kojima. He really? No, no, no. no. Yeah. He was an inventor. He was a philanthropist, and he was a Hollywood director. I'm like, what? 
Yeah, that's the, that's the and he constantly feuded with uh, Fish. I love uh, Alan Alda in this movie so much. Like, oh my god, I love him. And he was the only one nominated. He was nominated for best supporting actor, even though he was in the movie for like two minutes, which I love. Um, DiCaprio should have won the Oscar for this movie before mm. the Revenant, in my opinion. I think he should have won it. Who did he? Who did he uh, who did he get beat out by? Uh, let's look. Oh, this movie was also nominated for every major award. Lost to a two. I'm don't, a, I, that I don't know. know. That I actually don't I think know. He lost to Lord of the Rings. No. Oh. Came out. Oh, that would. Su- I mean, because I love Eternal. Fucking. Money. And again, I probably. It would have sucked. It would have yep. sucked if. Um, he, yeah. I mean, okay. Then again, this movie would have sucked if he would have like. You're, tell, you're really gonna tell me. The Last Jedi was a masterpiece, but you're gonna say Lord of the Rings was whack? No, I love Return of the King. I love Last Jedi, man. Suck, but I love, I love Return of the King so much. I, love, I was gonna say, I love Return of the King, and I, and I, I think it does. It probably deserved that that Oscar more. Hey, also, this also has a uh, John C. Riley. And since Scorsese put him in the leading role, <laughs> like, for, um, let's see, at the seventy seventh Academy Awards, it was nominated for. So yeah, the. Oh no! This is the year Million Dollar Baby came out. Oh what? Fuck! Oh my god! This would won an Oscar before Scorsese. He won the Oscar before Scorsese with Unforgiven, um, which is a good movie. But oh man, this sucks. At least The Incredibles won. But damn, Million Dollar Baby won Best Picture up against. Let's see the nominees. Let's see the nominees. We get pissed at this. Uh, Million Dollar Baby won against The Aviator, Finding Neverland, Ray, and Sideways. Oh, Sideways should have beat it out. Actually, Sideways nah, is better than... didn't have that much of competition, though, honestly. Uh, Sideways is better than uh, The Aviator. I'll say that. You think so? Yes. Alexander Payne is a great director, and I think this one was better. Um, Ray, Finding, Ray was movie. Finding Neverland was... Finding Neverland was an overrated movie. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah. Ray was okay, but it suffered from biopic-itis. Yeah. Um, I love Jamie uh, Jamie Fox in that movie, but it, he stood out in that movie because, like, oh, fun fact, he was he, nominated for two Oscars that year for for two different movies. Uh, he was nominated for this and Collateral. Oh, yo, that movie was awesome. That was a great movie. Speaking of Michael Mann, he produced this movie, The Aviator. What? Really? really? Yes. Huh? Go figure. He was an executive producer. So up next, two years after or three years after, we have. Okay, so, um, confession. This is my first Scorsese. This is the first movie I saw directed by him. This is the first movie where he won Best Director, and this is the first Best Picture winner. Um, Hell yeah. I saw his theaters. I saw this in theaters, like, a couple months ago. Nice. Uh, It was really cool. So, this is, of course... We gotta call it by its local name. Cheers. Padded. The Departed. Okay, and we're talking about Infernal Affairs, of course. No. Um, <laughs> uh, the Departed is a gangster film. It is a crime film. It is, in essence, in essence, like everything Scorsese has been doing, uh, but updated to the post like nine eleven, post nine eleven, like um, America. It is a gangster film for the age of PDAs and cell phones. It is a gangster film that is pre-internet. Almost like it is like a pre like a YouTube pre- somewhere in there, and it's somewhere within the cusp of internet, but cell phones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Where they, um, I mean, <laughs> sorry to interrupt, but if there's a part where Alec Baldwin says the Patriot Act, the Patriot Act, I don't. <laughs> oh, man, I, okay, so everyone, everyone. 
goes 110% in this movie. Oh my god, <laughs> they all act like they've they, never acted before. Like, this is it's, like... It's they awesome, are all though. Sort of cartoon characters of themselves, but in the best way possible. So, this movie, essentially, it's a, a cat and mouse game throughout. It's a chase, where the two main characters never meet. They don't know who they are, and I love it. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio in arguably his best directed role by a Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars yes. Matt Damon at his best. I don't care what anyone says, because this dude is not that good yeah. character in anything else. No, this is his but best. he... Yeah, he's pushed. No, when when he's given a good role, he can do well. Like, when he's given a, like, a good push... Matt every Damon, now and then, like, every few years, I feel like he gets it. But like, okay, he's one of those actors, like, oh, he's in your dad's favorite movie. Yeah, but yo, Jack Nicholson though. Okay, so like, oh Jack my Nicholson, god, Nicholson's Jack, the boy. So Jack Nicholson, I the thing with Jack Nicholson is he's he's he played this character fifteen times and I love it. This is him yeah. essentially playing the Joker from Eighty Nine Batman, just older, yeah. older and more pissed without off. without the actual like Joker. Exactly, he's like the gangster side of Jack Napier or whatever. Which I yeah. love um, yeah. Mark Wahlberg career best. Career yeah, best. for sure. Nominated for better, best. Better than Boogie Nights. Whoa. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll say that. Better than Boogie Nights and Pain Game. I will say that. 100%. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I will say that. Uh, I, I, yeah. What, you don't read any fucking Shakespeare? <laughs> oh, Alec Baldwin. Oh my god. I love him in this. <laughs> uh, yo, I, everybody in this movie. <laughs> Good, she's tired for fucking <laughs> my fucking <laughs> 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 Anthony Anderson, for whatever reason, <laughs> like I love. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Oh my god, you have everyone in this movie is. On. I think this is also the first time I think I recall seeing Vera Farmiga in a movie. She's great too. She's very understated, very much like this weird moral compass between both characters. Um, yeah, it's funny how there's like the the weird like lovers triangle that no one knows about. That is so good. Oh. So this movie essentially, DiCaprio plays this. Um, undercover cop who is in infiltrating the, the Irish mafia the in Irish Boston. Mafia, who is again a brutal ass mafia, brutal ass mafia. Yeah. Um, Jack Nicholson plays the, the the main crime boss. On the other side, Frank you have Costello. Matt. You have Matt Damon playing this gangster who is now in the infiltrating the the, uh, the cops. The special investigations unit, oh. not just any cops. His job is literally to root out the mole within the police unit, which is the biggest irony. So he's just leading the police force in a chase on who is the mole in the police unit when it's him. So he's sabotaging time. his own job, which is brilliant. Um, it should be said this is a remake of a of a, of a movie from Hong Kong. Um, have you seen Have you seen Infernal Affairs? No, I've always wanted to, and I hear it's so good. So, let me tell you. Let me tell you this because I've actually seen it, and it's. Uh, plot points for sure. A lot of it directly taken from this movie, down to you know, uh, uh, breaking breaking guys broken uh, casts in fear of having a wire in- embedded. Uh, down to you know, the only person that knows that this undercover cop's an undercover cop gets thrown out of a building. Uh, there's so much shit that goes down. It kind of plays differently at the end. Well, the one thing I really love about The Departed is how Scorsese placed it in this setting, though. He placed it in Boston. He placed it He placed it in Boston. And he made it about the Irish Mafia. And he had it embedded in such a culture that makes so much sense. So, all right. So there, let's do the same thing we did for Goodfellas. What's, um, 
our, our favorite our favorite scenes. Uh, Cade, let's start with you. Like, what's one scene that stands out? Uh, probably the uh the scene where he breaks his like cast. Uh, Jack Nicholson has Leonardo DiCaprio, and he, he Leonardo DiCaprio's like arm is like broken or whatever, and he thinks I think it's like has a wire or something inside of it. So he like grabs his arm and like bangs it against the fucking table or whatever to break his cast open, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, there's no wire," and he's like, "My arm is like fucked." Like, yeah, so I love that. Him. Brutal, and then there's, yeah. a, there's that Rolling Stones song playing in the background. Yep. Um, which is also again. Oh, give me shelter again. Um, I will yes. play the beginning of the movie, but yeah. Oh, very, actually, very... the soundtrack of this movie is pretty damn good. Oh, you have the Beach Boys, I, Rolling Stones. Can I, mention, can I mention something though? I do recall when I saw this movie in theaters, it was very different from when I saw it on when I finally got it on DVD. When this movie came out in theaters, the first twenty minutes of the movie that you see, you know, on Netflix or on DVD, was not in the movie version. The movie literally starts off. With DiCaprio about to apply to become a you know a, a detective or become a cop, he's applying there. That's literally mm-hmm. where the movie starts off. So you miss that whole opening sequence of Frank Costello's monologue. You miss him uh, meeting Matt Damon's character when he's a kid and uh, putting him into police academy. So right off the bat, it takes you a while into the movie to realize, oh shit, he is you know he's a rat. He's a he's a crooked cop. Yeah. So fact there, my experience with the movie version, which is why I hold this movie so dear to my heart, is because of the way I was presented to it the first time around. But you know, the second, you know, when I saw it afterwards with this op- with this all um, opening, I'm like, oh, okay, now you could see it better. You know, there's not so much of a, it's not so much of a twist. It, but it I saw. It. I love how there, you don't get the title of the movie until like 18 to 20 minutes in. <laughs> I love the use of Dropkick Murphy's uh, saw, uh, shipping up to Boston. That's such a good scene. Oh my god, I love. Um, oh, okay, the big elephant in the room. Oh, actually, wait, my favorite scene. Let me. Let me I'll, get, I'll, I'll pass to Arlie. Sorry, I, I, because I, I don't want to repeat anything I've said in this scene because it's fucking awful. Oh um, man, the, the weapons like deal. God. Oh, Besides right. the fact that this movie has the use of the f word so much, uh, it's probably top five movies with the most use of f words. That and, like, so many fucking slurs, so many fucking, like... Oh, so many racial slurs in this Oh, my God. But it's mostly it's mostly Frank Costello, played by Jack yeah. Nicholson. Um, yeah. And that's the point. He's, like, he's an old Irish a, dude who's yes. racist as fuck and, and misogynistic. He has a young, like, girlfriend, wife. Um, Ray Winstone <laughs> is so fucking good in this movie as Frenchie. Also... Oh, yeah. I, forgot, I love him. His, his death was so fucking great, where he's like, I... He's like, fuck this... I just pops himself in a car. Oh my god! Um, everyone so casually too. Everyone um, dies in this movie. Both stars die. Which, oh, which is it? Uh, my my favorite of... part of this movie, though. I mean, I was gonna say uh, it was either somewhere between you know the last scene in the elevator. Oh or, yes, great. yes. Okay. Yeah, or uh, or the whole um the whole scene when they're having the negotiation with the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my yeah the weapons the weapons uh, deal. Or, yeah, the or uh, that was the scene where or, Alec Baldwin's like patriot uh, patriot. Wait, okay, get, or the scene with uh, what's it? Like freaking out. Let me close. Oh, yeah. I'll open it back up. Okay, we're back. Um, so what were you saying, Gabe? Uh, two things. The scene with Martin Sheen where he dies, uh, yeah. because he's like trying to do a noble thing for Leonardo DiCaprio and stuff to like, you know, all that, Ooh. that scene's great. 
And then um, so I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but there's a motif throughout the movie where it, there are these X's. Yes. Uh, you guys know about this? Yeah. And uh, the thing is that if like it's it's stuff that's just in the environment, like a structure or something like metal beams that cross each other to look like an X or whatever. Or in the elevator, and there's oh, a duct tape yeah. X. The lights. The um, lights. The lights. There's yeah. Tape, there's tape. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so it, it basically it once you once someone a character's head or body or whatever crosses into that X, that means they're the next person to die. Very and I think um, that is. Yeah, I remember. Very I noir. Think, very that's noir. A, yeah. It's such a cool detail, like so pointless, but like anyone light. That's what? a great last. Those are great last words. What is it? Uh, Martin Sheen, right before he dies, like anyone got a light? <laughs> um, let's talk about the rat-sized elephant in the room. The fucking rat at the end of the movie. Is oh my god! This so almost kills dumb. It. This almost kills. I'm not kidding, because this movie, in, in my opinion, it's B tier Scorsese. Um, it's the fast food version of the Scorsese movie. I love it. Yeah. I love it, but yeah. it's, it's like, this is a movie, like, yeah, I'll watch it on TNT. The wrong, you know what I'm saying? It's that, it's that kind yeah. of movie. Um, it, but, and it, that doesn't detract from it, but I don't think it should have been his first best picture slash director winner. It feels like a consolation prize. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Let me tell it to you like this. It's one, it's one of the movies that I know the script me by too. heart. Me too, because I've seen it. I've seen I've, this movie probably like 20 times I've seen yeah it the mo- i've seen it more than good films i've seen this movie more than any other scorsese movie that he's made just because of how i don't know i guess like you said it's quick paced you know but it's like it's so it's funny too it's it's so funny it is. the script is just hilarious it's one of his funniest dramas it really is it's just, he just knows how to do humor yes what like like Alec Baldwin has one of my favorite insults in the whole movie when he like when they do that uh the Chinese dealer like scene and you know there's the one guy that screws up with setting up the cameras properly he's like please tell me his camera's in the back please tell me yeah. and he and he invites the camera guy wait uh Mark first he says to Mark Wahlberg like uh he's like who are you and Mark Wahlberg's like me I'm the guy who does his job wait <laughs> you must be the other guy and then afterwards Alec Baldwin like you know, they realize it's his fault, and he's like, you stupid fucking hard-on. Oh, my God. The fu- God. Everyone's this Boston is accent is so fucking... fucking hard-on. It's the most it's, Boston movie ever. Um, it's in... Next to what? Like, Goodwill Hunting, probably. Like, yeah, definitely. But, which is yeah. why Matt Damon was, like, the easiest pick for this movie. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I think DiCaprio gives his best performance under Scorsese. Oh, most definitely. He breaks down a lot in this movie. Oh, my yeah. God. He... I, he goes hard. I think, and also, um, this touches a lot on a lot of other issues in Scorsese movies. Um, like I said, masculinity, um, re- this, the pursuit of power, revenge, but also uh, Catholicism and Catholic guilt. So a, lot <laughs> yeah. of the, a lot of the big themes, um, you know, a lot of like what holds close to Irish and Italian culture is like this sort of like uh, fear and respect for uh, for Catholicism. There is a obvious scene where like some dude's getting beat over the head by DiCaprio with a picture of the Virgin Mary, or is it Jesus himself? He just gets beat over the head before he gets killed. Um, there, there are scenes where you know he like DiCaprio just feels guilty as hell because he's he's witnessing some fucked up things. Um, there's scenes of like mania and panic where he's like, "Oh, what are you waiting for?" That like, he's doing the ch- uh, chop me up and feed me to the dogs, the poor. And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like that, that he acts so he acts like he's playing he he acts like an actor, which I love. He's playing an actor. 
Yeah. Which is such a hard thing to do, in my opinion. It's so... It, it, people think it's easy to just act like yourself. But he does it in a way where, holy shit, he has to play two different characters while playing one character at the same time. You know what I'm saying? While playing the mm-hmm. character that encompasses both. And I absolutely love it, because he never gets a break. True. You never get... I don't... There is a fun fact. I don't think you... You never... Like, his name's ever... Well... I mean, and then there, like, before we go on, there's some little lines, of course, like, Jack Nicholson's, like, probably at his, like, his best, his last great performance here. It It's the only, it's the last, like, performance he was in before, like, probably, like, I think he did some, like, romantic comedy kind of things, like, those <laughs> upbeat, like weird for, movies. That's a favor for, like, James L. Brooks, though. Yeah, that. yeah, that's so, his, like, yeah. so, he, this was, like, his last Hurrah! And I heard that he was supposed to be in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for a brief moment or something. And I think someone even told me like the his likeness might be in it or something. I don't know. Uh, he is supposed to be in the Tony Enderman uh, remake for the the American remake, but I don't think that's going to come out. Of course, no. I, De Niro, I, I mean, just I think Nicholson, he's done. Nicholson's done, and he 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 collected his bag. Um, if we'll take comfort in knowing that Drill is using his picture for good. Have you seen what he looks like today? Um, he's looked like that for like the past like ten years. Have you watched a Lakers game? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> he looks terrible. Um, not to rag on the guy, he's obviously older. He's old, bro. I mean, he was in Whoever the Cuckoo's Nest, mind you. Yeah, it's an old ass movie. This is yeah, his first, and it's amazing that this is his first collaboration with Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. Is, I mean. Hold up, the Irishman was Al Pacino's first collaboration with Scorsese, so which we'll get to, which is fucking great. Um, we're moving into the the twenty tens now. Um, Hugo isn't a big movie. We'll talk about that when we kind of go through like personal picks. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. I haven't seen. So I'll what? Even, no, really? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, I haven't put aside like four hours for it. But I'll Fuck, I three. will I will say flat. this. So, three flat. Three flat. I know. I know. So uh, give me a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna pause here. I'm gonna go watch it. Um, okay, cool. Wait, you guys wait for me. <laughs> but um, I, I will say this. So this feels like a return to form in the same way Goodfellas and a Casino. You know what I'm saying? In that same vein. It's a very... Talking about Wolf? Yes. Yeah. From what I've seen. So I'm going to speak as an outsider. No spoilers or whatever. You know what I'm saying? We're just kind of like... Talk, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, base, very basic level about this movie. So it's a very much like, oh, it, it's about a, a criminal who's doing shitty things and everything. His life falls apart, and it's very funny. It's very fast-paced. There's a lot of pause and narration and everything. Um, of course, it's not about killing. It's not about, like, gangster lifestyle. It's about a dude who's taking a lot of fucking money from people, and he's, like, mm-hmm. essentially leaving his wife for his younger woman. Uh, we see Jonah Hill's penis. Who we can see, blame we, him? We see fat Jonah Hill, which is great. Yeah. Back again from the dead. Um... And it's it, 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 a lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. So much drugs. So it, many titties. No, it was it was the 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 uh, perhaps the greatest introduction to Margot Robbie ever. Oh, for, for every, real. For every like, for every cisgender straight dude that watched this movie, they're like, oh my god, who is she? Not only is she one of the most beautiful women to ever grace this earth, but she <laughs> she she like does a really good job. Performance-wise, too, like it's, yeah, it, like, it can't the be understood. You see her on screen there; she's like completely naked. Yeah, I, I'm like I just remember I was with my with my friends, and we're all just like, whoa. I <laughs> we're like the we're, old, yeah, like old text. I finally went went screwy for a bit. Where go back to what we were talking about? Sorry. Uh, well, we were talking. We about, just kind of uh, said Margot Robbie was the best. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay, so you guys were being horny. 
Um, yeah, yeah okay. but, we, but we also started talking about how, like, basically it was probably one of DiCaprio's defining role, one of his best roles of his career. Yes. Yeah, we'll because, say it, this because he just, he goes 100% into it. He just, he has that confidence with him. Oh, yeah. The confidence of a guy who's going to shake your hand and take your wallet at the same time. Yeah. And he he has... It's it's almost a bit Henry Hill esque at, at a certain point where like uh, then the paranoia comes in and there's all this crazy shit that happens and you know I know you said you don't want any spoilers but um, there this uh, I think I have to just talk about this it's oh, not no. super duper spoiler but he he takes some expired quaaludes at one point in the movie yeah, I know that and it yeah, fucks yeah. up his butt yeah and he has to like crawl and stuff and I was watching exactly something. Yeah, and I was watching something with Martin Scorsese where he was like, "Yeah, we didn't consider it, but like when we when we got there on the day, we realized the way the Lamborghini has to be opened, like you can't do it unless you're standing up, really." And so Leonardo DiCaprio had to be on words. his back. Yeah, because it's a suicide story. So he had, he was laying on his back and he had to like use his leg to open it, and it's just like he really gives his all because you know at the start of that scene he's perfectly fine he's talking on the phone he falls over and then he has to fall down the stairs crawl to the car open the door with his like singular leg yeah crawl into the car like leg day yeah honestly it's you know that was i really don't know how who who beat him for an oscar that year because i know he was nominated okay uh which no, right. really? Okay, yeah. so look, I'm gonna, let's talk about the 2013 Oscars. This is the first Oscars I cared about. Um, <laughs> that year, they... Can you all guess what movie beat it out for Best Picture? What were the nominations? No, I just want you to guess first. Uh, card. What movie came out in 2013? That there's a lot. That <laughs> Birdman came out in 2014, right? Yes. Okay, so that was... If I knew the nominations, I could. Fine, fine, fuckers. Oh, oh, damn. No, don't, don't, don't guess anything. You have to look it up. I'm gonna read you the nominations. Like I'm, uh, I think who, who announced them that year? I think it was like Jack Nicholson or Michelle Obama. Ay, yeah, you'll suck. I'm so sorry. Um, but uh, I, I do remember. <laughs> I do remember this being one of the first years I did care about the Oscars too, and I was like. Leonardo DiCaprio's got this one in the bag, and I was shocked okay, when so what's you know Matthew is, Matthew he, good, he was um he not only started it and was nominated for best uh, actor, he produced it and was nominated for best picture. So he was really trying to win that Oscar that year. Um, he was really trying to win it. So winners and nominees, you ready? Yep. All right, <clears throat> and the nominees are my Ellen Grace because she was a war criminal. Um, friends of the war criminal. Nominees are I'm going to read from the bottom up. Wolf of Wall Street, Philomena, mm-hmm. Nebraska, Her, Gravity, Dallas Buyers Club, Captain Phillips, American Hustle, and 12 Years a Slave. What won that year? Oh, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. yeah. Um, in my opinion, Her should have won it, or Nebraska, but whatever. So this one, and Scorsese, uh, the nominees for director were Martin Scorsese, Alexander Payne, David O. Russell, Steve McQueen, and Alfonso Cuaron. Guess who won? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alfonso Cuaron won for Gravity. Yes. Um, Which, all right, sure. No, I mean, he's look, this is like the first time a Mexican had won Best Director. I'm down. Whatever. Oh. And that was a great... Yeah. And a, since then, it's a, all been Mexicans. Which is funny, right? Or a lot of, yeah, really? Well, yeah, since, he won... Since that year, uh, every director that has won has been a Mexican director. 
whether it's been um, Guillermo del Toro, Alfonso Cuaron, or Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu, who did Birdman and he did the Revenant. Did he went for the Revenant. He did. He did. Jesus Christ. He did one for the Revenant, um, which was okay, but whatever. We'll talk about that on another podcast. Um, so it's funny, yeah, twenty thirteen. Um, DiCaprio was really trying to win that Oscar because he produced this movie with with uh, Scorsese. As mm-hmm. well as being nominated for Best uh, Actor. The other Best Actor nominees, uh, just for reference, Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale, Bruce Stern, Leonardo DiCaprio, and I feel so bad for not being able to pronounce his name, despite me being told, the main actor from Tobin's a Slave. Oh, yeah. should I also add you for? Yes, thank you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. I would have never been able to say that. Um, so, and it's funny because McConaughey's in Wolf of Wall Street, banging, like, oh, yeah. bragging about banging the fact. Chest. He's bragging. only in it for five minutes in the movie. But it's the most memorable five minutes. Everyone quotes that scene. Like, I remember, like, every... I mean, I'm sure... This is one of those movies, like, every frat boy loves for the wrong reason. Yeah. Like, Joker. Yes. Like, Joker. They, 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 the point goes them. over their head. Because the point of the movie is showing this guy... He was... You know, he didn't have the best life. But he had a wife, and I think he even had a kid. And, um... He, he had... He, lived- he had a job. And then he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go... All the way, and I'm going to leave my wife for this young girl who's, you know, very supermodel. And yeah, and I'm going to pursue drugs. I'm going to pursue greed. I'm going to pursue crime, and I'm going to be a bad person. You know, it's someone who was no, not struggling. He, just, he he liked the fact that he could make money off just talking his ass. Yeah. Out. It, it it it's an ego thing, really, more than anything. Just yeah. like I can do it. And you can't. And, uh, you know, the whole even going to the scene on the, the boat with the FBI agents and stuff when they're leaving, he's like, here's your fucking fun coupons. And he throws mil- uh, $100 bills at him. And he's like, this is a year's salary for you, but I got it in my back pocket. Hey, yo, Kyle Chandler, um, Kyle Chandler in that movie. I fucking love him. Kyle Chandler awesome. the best. I love him in everything. He's the greatest. He's like, I love, yeah. he mentions in the movie about him, like, taking the subway home. Mm-hmm. And like at the and like you know, at the end of the movie, you see him reading the paper in the subway. Uh-huh. Like it's just funny, like little thing, like a little nod because he mentions it when he's on the yacht. And then at the end of the movie, when he's reading about what happened, you know, he's reading it while he's on the train. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the you know like as like you were saying, frat boys or whatever just don't get it. I think the idea they're like this is awesome, like is- holy shit. Every you know, Wall like, Street. I wish I could do this. Okay, so if the if in the 80s every Wall Street dude had watched, like, Oliver Stone's watched Wall Street and got the wrong idea, this is the one that's for this generation. And I kind of feel bad yeah. for Scorsese because he directed a movie. Again, yeah. all his movies have that central theme. He, he, could show, he, could, he could film a party scene, that's for sure. I would. Yeah. <laughs> um, my thing is, like, with, with Scorsese, is like, he, he tries so hard. He's like, these are shitty dudes. Don't do that. You're going to die or you're going to lose everything. And everyone's like, hey, yeah. you'll be a gangster. Yeah, I mean, yeah people, exactly. People don't get it. Um, Let's talk in his most recent film. And then we'll go into like our personal like lo- like picks and everything. Um, sure. So now we're at The Irishman. So again, full spoilers. If you haven't seen this movie, um, first of all, let's go watch it. It's fucking phenomenal. It's easily it's available. It, don't go to theaters. No, just I saw pop it on. Just Turn on whatever podcast. device. Pause this podcast. Actually, Netflix.com. Sign up for your free trial if you haven't already. Like I did. You use your code. Use the promo code Waypoint Set. <laughs> don't even play. Um, <laughs> don't even play. What a deal. Don't even play, bro. I'm gonna get sued. Or you know, do what most of you do and borrow your mom's account. 
and and just watch it. It's great. So the Irishman. You have a friend that has a Netflix account. Ask him for the login. Trade a Hulu account. Trade a a Crunchyroll account. (laughs) Trade a whatever. Do what you got to do like I do, all right? I trade the communal Hulu account for Crunchyroll. You'll need it for three and a half hours. It's a long movie, but trust me, it is. Trade your Pornhub premium account and (laughs) get get some Irishman on there. All right. So the Irishman is Scorsese's latest. It is a a movie in a long lineage of gangster movies. Um... But it doesn't feel like that. It plays on a lot of the same tropes as Scorsese, uh, other Scorsese movies, but it never ever like mimics them. It doesn't feel satisfied with just retreading old ground for the sake of retreading old ground. Yeah. It is an opus. It is a swan song for the gangster epic. Like Unforgiven was the sort of goodbye, like farewell to the, the western. Goodbye to the western. This is the yeah. goodbye to the gangster drama. If Scorsese decided I'm going to retire today, this is the note he leaves on. This is what every other gangster film and every other crime film will be compared to from now on. Yeah. And I, uh, I will say, before, I'm so sorry for interrupting. It's before this. No, that's right. I want to like, start out by saying this movie is, it, it is a, a an achievement where a director as old as Scorsese, who's been doing this for almost five decades, or in the, a, a, over five decades, he can pull this movie out of a miracle. He has to shoot on digital, which he probably, which he fucking hates. He has yeah. to he, he has to release it on a streaming service, which I'm sure fucking hurts him. Um and he has to use like de aging effects on his actors, which I'm sure also hurts him. He pulls it off so goddamn well. And he yeah, using off, new age, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You really and exactly and also coming off the whole controversy with his Marvel statements, which yeah. you know what? For the record, he's fucking correct. And Kate and I, we, we Kate and yeah, we've talked about. We spent an entire podcast talking about it, which you should yeah. listen to our Joker spoiler cast, by the way, where we talk about Scorsese a lot. Um, all this shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. But my, no, and it's a three and a half hour long movie in an age where everyone wants like their their stories easily digestible as movies or miniseries. Because most people will say, "Why is this a miniseries?" Or "Why is this a TV show?" None of this should work. Who edited this movie? I forgot. Delma Shoemaker. Out of the park. Knocked it out of the freaking park. I think... Because because of that, because of her editing alone, it made this movie, like, hard to put down. I had to pause it only one time because I had to use the bathroom. Yeah, I had to go pee during the scene where, uh, uh, fucking Al Pacino's character, what's his name? Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy wow. Hoffa is in is in prison. Yeah, I know. Who's that guy? Who's uh, the main character? Who is the main character? Who's that Batman guy? Um, the uh, the uh, he's sitting there in prison and he's eating his ice cream and the other guy comes up and tries to talk to him. I had to go pee during that scene and I came back and he was like on the ground fighting this guy. I don't know what the hell was said, but uh, oh, the prison, yeah, yeah. uh yeah, I know that was a pretty big scene because that kind of sets up a kind of his fate. But said uh, you people. Yeah, he said you people. I know that. Italians. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Okay, so wait, wait. Um, so I, I will come off the ground and say this before we start anything. Up front, this is the first movie that Scorsese's made since Goodfellas that can be put on the same pedestal as a movie like Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, or Goodfellas. My humble opinion. I don't think he's... I think he's done some phenomenal work you know the decade before and this decade included but uh-huh. the irishman is the first time i felt oh shit this is scorsese at his like best 
And it's probably bold because I'm probably at the recency, like, bias. It's that honeymoon phase with a movie or a work of art where mm -hmm. once you experience it, if it's the most recent thing and you loved it, it's going to dominate your mind. But I truly, truly feel that this is a, a class. This is a true classic. The Departed is you know, a classic in the same way as Goodfellas or Raging Bull is the, what is it, yeah. New York. Um, even Wolf of Wall Street, like, I haven't seen it, but even I know that's not, that. I don't think that's going to be a classic years from now, you know, years from now. The Irishman yeah. is a classic. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, when I was watching the movie, I was like, I really enjoy this. And then I don't think at any point while I was watching it until that last maybe 30 minutes or so, uh, where I was like, this is great. This is fantastic. Like yeah. this is, it's yeah. it's the very the way it all comes together. Because I'm like, this is you know a uh, a gangster movie, mobster movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, because it's not like, it's not like Goodfellas where there is a ton of violence or anything. There is violence in it, but it's it's mostly kind of restrained or like the violence happens like off screen and stuff. There is a couple kills and stuff. Um, but uh. Yeah, I was kind of just like, you know, I, I like this, but I don't know if it's my favorite. And then when it all comes around and you realize kind of what this movie is about in terms of like its true message, um, it hits hard. Like, yes. do we can we just talk about the ending like right now? Like, yeah. Okay, so the I, ending, Action Bronson's in it and he plays a guy selling coffins. And that is probably the greatest thing about this movie. That's what Cade was talking about. He realized at that moment. This is a great. I'm just kidding. No, so the ending. So the ending. This movie essentially solves Jimmy Hoffa's fate. This man who was lost, the man who was played by Jack Nicholson in a movie called Hoffa, directed by Dan DeVito. Um, this essentially solves that case, that sort of like long-standing question: um, Where the fuck did Hoffa go? Um, he was supposedly killed by 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 an Irishman, yeah. a protector of sorts for um for what's his name, Russell. A he doesn't. Don't get it twisted. Russell Buffalino is the head, was part of a very, very popular and very powerful or organized crime family in the Northeast. Yes. Don't get that twisted. So what, that, who, who did, so what was like his job? What was, um, what, what's, um, Rob, what's his name? Frank Sheeran's uh, job? Yeah, he was like a, he just, he just like, he was a hitman almost, right? He was like a right-hand man. He was like, he was. A he cleanup was, man, maybe. He was muscle. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because he, he would like, he, he, he killed with it, no remorse. Okay. Think about Departed. He was French. He was Mr. French. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Irish. Mm. Blue. Mr. Black. Mr. Pink. Mr. White. <laughs> yeah. But he was. He was the one. Uh, when something needed to get done, he would get it done. But that was also Russell's job. Russell was the one who would. He would see to it. Hoffa didn't really have like he had power, but he had power through influence. He was more like a politician in that sense. Yeah, I, he wasn't like a direct criminal, you know. No, he wasn't not like involved because he's he was truly a man yeah. trying to do good. He he seemed yeah. to care, but he just you know money money um corrupts people, and yeah. he got caught up in this um in this 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 um crime thing. Okay, so going back, let's talk about the individual parts of this movie that made it great. So we have um we have. Robert De Niro, the mainstay. This is his first movie, with, with, his first time in Scorsese movie forever. It's like mm -hmm. forever. And he plays the two two different versions of like the same character. One who, who's like an older, more grizzled veteran of like everything he's done. And then another de-ageified Tron legacy looking ass motherfucker. Um, yeah. I, what did you guys think of that? His sort of like CG and makeup like... I kind of didn't notice it like i think immediately like the blue eyes and stuff are what really stood out yeah, but like his actual like 
face, like his skin and stuff. You know, I think maybe there was a moment where, like, at at the start, yeah, like, at the start where I'm like, I think I can see it. But, like, thinking and just, like, I think if I didn't know, if no one had told me ahead of time, I wouldn't think anything of it. It's not as bad as a... Besides the blue eyes. I I mean, I was like, oh, I sort of see it. But, I mean, it's just because I know that De Niro's old as hell. Exactly. It's it's more of a, like... Uh, a thing with your brain just connecting, like yeah. how people I, I, look. Uncanny Valley thing ish. Yeah. Scorsese saw Avengers Endgame and saw Michael <laughs> Douglas's face and is like, you know what? I should do that. Let's be honest. Scorsese did not see Endgame. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, daughters or granddaughters saw Endgame because, you know, Papa wouldn't go watch the Marvel movie with them. He's like, look, Papa, you could do this in your movie in there. Um, I. As I really. Stuff on Netflix. Wait, what? It's like it's a shame to the Academy as I release my movie on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I, um, it's not again. It's not as bad as like Michael Douglas and Ant Man. Um, yeah, it's not as bad. that was really noticeable. Um, not as bad as uh them trying to recreate Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. Or <laughs> or, or what's her name in um in Blade Runner? I so, I'm sorry, that bothered me. That really bothered me in Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Tron Legacy did it better, and that movie came out at the beginning of the decade. Like, that, and, yeah. and Jeff Bridges is in that movie for a long-ass time. <laughs> in what movie? Tron Legacy. Oh, yeah. Wow. I forgot about bad, that. Though. That wasn't that bad, though. I, I, that, one looked, that one looked pretty good. I mean, I'm sure if I watch it now on Disney+, well, also, in HDTV. Also, realize how heavily contrasted that movie is. You could get away with that sort of de-aging yeah. Yeah. because of how digital that movie looks. What a great. But, um, so we got Robert De Niro, who's playing the Robert De Niro type, you know what I'm saying, confident, cocky, um, yeah. hardworking, blue-collar-ish man, you know what I'm saying, who just does his job, he he kills with no remorse, he he doesn't notice yeah. things catching up he, to him. He's a, he was a former, you know, he's a, for, he's a veteran of the war, you know? Yeah, oh my mm-hmm. god, yeah. And he's done some shitty things. So it's like uh, he's been told, like he's told what to do again. Um, like uh, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna go back a, to we're gonna go back to that, Mafia Three, um, where he, what's his name, the CIA agent who who oh, talks about like, yes. what they did in Vietnam and how shitty it was and how essentially it broke uh, Lincoln. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Reminded, again, man. I love it. that character. I played. I played. I'm playing Mafia Three. Watch this movie. It makes it's, it's such a perfect like comp like a like sure yeah. a double and, feature. Yeah, exactly. Almost. And one. Oh, so you're saying Harley good. One of the biggest themes in this movie that Robert De Niro represents is the working man. He's been a working man his whole life. He's just been taking orders from people his whole life. That's literally what it's what it is. And but like he has this he has this weird undoubted loyalty. Even to the very end of the movie, he's loyal as hell. Yes. When he when he had no reason to be. Mm-hmm. Even after losing everything, because again, Scorsese, like one of the big themes is if you're a shitty guy, like everything you're gonna get yours. Um. Yeah. So we got De Niro. Um. Up next, we have Pesci, who came out of retirement for this movie. Um. <laughs> career best. Hands down. Yeah, hundred percent. Understated. He, oh my. Under Pesci. Yes. You know, we're used to Pesci being this, this short, angry Italian man and in, in, in all his movies. And it, for him to be here as this quiet guy who doesn't like a lot of noise, who's just trying to be liked by his uh by his like friend's daughter and all this stuff, 
God, like it's just it's it's amazing. It's not the same. It's not. It's like watching a different like actor altogether. He's not. He's no longer playing Joe Pesci. He's playing um. Oh, in such a subtle and very proper way, he handled that role, though. He never pulled the trigger himself. He never. You know what I'm no. saying? He he he. He was the guy who would shake hands and smile and make promises with people. He's, he spoke so softly, he yelled. The way he speaks Italian is like ASMR to me. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, them breaking bread together, like those scenes, those quiet scenes <laughs> where they just kind of sit together and they're like talking and everything. He's all like... Can we talk about if this ever made it to the Oscars? Because we know it's probably debatable. Like he would... Why? Al Pacino deserves Best Supporting Actor. So wait, okay, Al Pacino's up next. First collaboration with Scorsese. Al Pacino, and I talked to Arlie about this off, like, recording. Um, Al Pacino, of those, of, like, between him and De Niro and, and they're at their, their peak, their prime, Scorsese, um, mm-hmm. Pacino's the better actor, hands down. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. A hundred percent. Um, I, all his movies are, like, they're, 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 they're so different, and the way he, he carries himself as an actor is so damn good. Here, whatever energy... Pesci doesn't have, he takes and puts it for like a hundred. If you say everyone in the Wolf of Wall Street in the part is at 110%, but she was at 120. <laughs> there are scenes where he's just yelling and yelling, but it's never like, you know how like there are those movies with the Oscar um, yes, scenes? The Oscar, I know. Oh, you're going to yep. put, you're gonna put yeah. it on the screen? Those aren't the scenes, in my opinion. They're fun. They're entertaining. There are moments where he's just talking in like, where is it? Fuck is Tony. Five Tony's here. That scene. Those are those are the scenes in my opinion. Those yes. are the ones where if you're gonna if you're gonna put this up at the Oscars, those are the scenes you should show. But the scenes where he just freaks the fuck out are so funny because it, it shows not only pure like tension and this drama, they're just so funny. This, in my opinion, is Scorsese's funniest drama. The part is really funny. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. There are moments, the, uh, the... Oh my god. God, you motherfucker, God sucker, motherfucker, God, his fucking son. Uh, God, oh my God. The scene where the, uh, I, I don't know who they are, like agents of some kind, they come and talk to De Niro at the end of the movie, and he's like, get, I'll get my attorney, and they're like, your attorney's dead. And he's like, what? He's dead? Who killed him? <laughs> I think that's fucking what? hilarious. Oh it's like, no, he's dead because he's old. Like, everyone is gone. That's a huge thing with the movie too. Again, not to be ageist or anything. Everyone's fucking old in this movie. You yeah. tell this movie's trying to be made for like ever now. Um, and but that well, says I, a lot I about. I feel like it's a representation of Scorsese himself. It is, yeah, you know, old, but still, it is like still like doing. Look, everyone shits on Pacino for doing Jack and Jill. Um, this is he's so. <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you forgot, right? Yeah, I brought that back. The Don Pacino. Wow. Okay, but. Still fucking good. Oh yeah, he, he's good in Jack and Jill. I'll say it. Okay, no, <laughs> you know what? That's more him than it is anything. He loves. Oh, he, yeah. He loves, oh, can we? Can we? What about Meet the Parents? Come on. Fucking love Meet the Parents. Oh my god. Meet the Parents is a great movie. Oh no, Julie. Julie is always good. Yeah. Like Al Pacino and he. I've never seen Julie. He was a Julie. That's that movie sucked, but he was great. <laughs> I had no idea he was in that either. Um, the one with J Lo. Yeah. And Ben Affleck when they were uh, when they were a thing. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, no, but him in Meet the Parents, that was actually a good comedy that he was in. But I, I, I think he's fucking hilarious. I love Always. him in this movie. So he plays Jimmy Hoffa, famed union labor um, Teamsters, which is funny because you know, every, time, every time my dad gets mail, it's always like a Teamsters logo. I'm like, oh shit. Did <laughs> you guys 
<laughs> about Jimmy Hoffa, like I know you said there was a movie with Jack Nicholson. I, I didn't know. Did you guys know really about Jimmy Hoffa? Like, is, was this a big thing? Am I just too young to no, know? No, because you're the age of like 15, Caden. You don't know anything. So I want to educate you. No, I'm kidding. I'm 12. Now I'm 15. You don't, we're not supposed to know this stuff. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely of a different era. Um, De Niro, De Niro said it himself is, in the movie. Like, what was it? Like, you know, young people don't know about Jimmy Hoffa. They probably yeah. don't know that he was... Right. He, he shows the picture to the nurse. And uh, he said it. Yeah, like, I don't know. His, Hoffa, to us, is famous for disappearing. But everyone okay. always makes jokes about, oh, right, this thing's gone, like Jimmy Hoffa. Okay. And Jimmy Hoffa ran off with Kennedy. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa killed Jeffrey Epstein. Remember that. <laughs> um, so... He put, so yeah. Oh, Zoe said, said at Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, okay, so Arlie <laughs> and I were together at Thanksgiving, and I out of nowhere, I'm just like. <laughs> and I tweeted that before, and he's like, yo, can you tweet that? I'm like, no. Oh. So, Jimmy Hoffa, again, yeah, we're not supposed to know who he is because we're. Sure. We don't know, we don't know who Van Halen is. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, the two the two biggest controversies with this movie, though, that they bring up is the fact that, well, this is particularly because it's not really stated whether or not, you know, Frank Sheeran killed Jimmy Hoffa. It was highly speculated. Mm-hmm. He's been considered disappeared, like, for the last 44 years. He was declared dead in 86 out of pure... 82. 82? Okay. Yeah, because they gave up. They just said, fuck it. He's dead. I mean, he was old already. Like, he was like, what? He had to be, like, in his 50s already, right? Look him up really quickly. Well, he mm. was... He was 69 when he... When he... Hell yeah! <laughs> no, he disappeared at 62, but he was declared dead at 69. Nice. Nice. <laughs> He's still alive. I know it. He's in Cuba with Tupac. Um, I, I, I watched an interview with the this you know the main crew in scorsese uh i think it was like on the today show or something uh something like that before the movie even came out and they're like what do you think happened to jimmy hoffa and they just straight up said like i think someone said yeah like frank admitted to it to somebody that's, if it, yeah it, that's where they got like, it from yeah but like I was going to say, like, Frank maybe could have lied about it, but also, like, why would he? Like, he's not the kind of one to, like, he doesn't have a huge ego or anything. He kind of just, like, keeps to himself, right? So, like, I don't think he would have just been, like, yeah, I did it just to, like, say it, you know, for attention or whatever. I think he's, like, I'm dying, so I'll just tell you. I shot him in his house. Um, He told Action Bronson. (laughs) (laughs) Stupidest cameo in the world. The other con- no, actually, well, that cameo, the reason it made sense is because Action Bronson is a huge fan of Scorsese, and I think he just really wanted a bit of cameo in there. So I guess this is a proper one. In bit parts. I'm, I don't think Scorsese has a use for a rapper that can cook. I think, you guess Scorsese knows who Action Bronson is? He knows who One Direction is. I saw a picture of him. He walked up to like them backstage with his daughters, and he's like, "I love your music. I love your music." I, I, I was like, "This is cinema, right? This, this is cinema, right?" You here. guys, you guys are gonna be stars. You're gonna be my next picture. Let me make a documentary. Let me, let me film the documentary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Give me shelter. I've heard of you with the Stones. 
<laughs> um, no, but the other controversial thing in that movie was the whole deal with the Kennedys. But then they just brush over that for about maybe ten minutes, and then they just yeah. drop it all together. No, okay. That's so, one, so one of the one of the conspiracies about Kennedy's assassination was the fact that it was a mob hit. So you mm. could believe one of oh, three things. you could believe one of three things that it was either the Russians, that it was Castro. Or that it was a mob. Because we all know it wasn't, um, what's his name, uh, who was it, the, the, the guy supposedly who killed him? Harvey Oswald. Yeah, it, it's not him. He was too easy of a patsy. Like, like, no, he, he was the, the, some, the fall somebody, guy. Somebody said, so, allegedly, one of the things was that somebody yelled, he's a patsy, he's a patsy, when, uh, when Oswald was getting arrested. It's true. Why would he get killed so I'm I'm publicly like that? He, like a mob thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was gonna talk. Yeah. He was gonna talk. He was gonna talk. He was gonna he was gonna admit to um he was gonna like rat whoever out. But whatever. Yeah. That's a different thing. I mean I spoiler cast when we go back to November twenty second, nineteen sixty three and talk about JFK getting fucking blasted in the head. Talk about mind blown. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so All right. other cast members. Um, let's talk about Anna Paquin. Let's talk about, okay. let's talk about Peggy in general. So Peggy yeah. is um, Frank's daughter, and he essentially um, she, she's like a lot of other Scorsese here. I mean, Scorsese characters where she is a witness to a lot of the heinous crimes that the main characters commit. Um, listen, the, the the girl who played Peggy when she was young, one of the most convincing act like child actors I've ever seen. I, I I have like young cousins who act like that who are very close to like their their parents or mom like who like always like kind of latch onto them, and I've never seen that in a movie before. Like I've never seen that sort of action in a movie before. Um, my mom works around kids like at, at an elementary school, and I've seen that. And just that little thing alone is like, oh shit, this is such a good performance. She's so she's very quiet. She's very to herself until one adult like kind of treat you know what I'm saying is on her level, mm-hmm. um, and it's Hoffa, who. Doesn't ever like talk oh. down to her, or doesn't like bullshit her ever. He's yeah. very much like, oh, I, 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 I respect this kid. Let me hang. Let me like. Let me like spoil the kid, and not in a patronizing way, in a sort of I see you kind of way. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, d- um, both De Niro and Pesci's characters are trying to like get her attention, trying to make. Trying. To- I think it's so heartbreaking. It's like I just think the whole stuff surrounding Peggy is just like. Every time that stuff was happening on the screen, like stuff at the bowling alley where he's trying to talk to her, or uh, at, I think it's at Christmas or something, yeah. he gives her a gift and she says thank you once, and then he's like, hey, you know, be nice, say thank you again, or like be more genuine. He's like, no, no, it's all right. She she said thank you once, it's okay. It's like that's so heartbreaking, like because you know, yeah, I know, but like the the she the knows. human side, like of just like. I feel for these guys who are doing terrible things and um, they're bad people, but they also have, you know, a bit of an emotional core. There, there is a little humanity to them. Less Frank, more he, that comes at the end. But uh, for Pesci and stuff, they're like, you know, they, they want connection. They want they're still people and they're bad people, but they are people. And um, yeah, it's just uh, did you guys just see that on the screen? <laughs> okay oh well never mind um 
there, the there was. We're all in the same fucking room. <laughs> um, the uh, it's just it, I thought it was uh, as Werner Herzog says for Baby Yoda, just beautifully heartbreaking or whatever he says. It's just it, it makes me sad, especially you know at the end when uh. Frank shows up at the bank and he he's waiting in line and he, the, the, I'm like why is he here and that that guy's behind him and he's like oh you go ahead of me because he, he wants to see his daughter and then she puts up the sign and it's just like she has closed off she is not in his life she says no I'm not here for you I'm not your kid basically I'm I don't want to acknowledge my dying old dad yeah That's and it's so fucked heartbreaking. it's so sad and, and he you know he through like a 25 minute it's just thing of just a geriatric man yeah slowly falling apart physically just becoming old and no one's and, there to help him and it's it's also kind of sad like he doesn't he he gets it to an extent but he he doesn't fully understand yeah, why he like he does not it, feel guilty for anything he just wants to yeah. know why no one's talking to him he's one of and again this is another theme Listen, toxic masculinity gets you nowhere, and this is essentially the the, the ultimate idea. This is a guy who's like, I didn't do anything wrong. What? Why? Why doesn't no one? Why does no one like me? Yeah, and it's and it's, it's so depressing. Me, and like, I will say, like, okay, so the controversy surrounding Anna Paquin, I do, I do yeah. kind of wish she got, she did more. I don't think Scorsese intended to, like, yeah, I'm going to do a misogyny today and cut a line. Yeah, down. but he's not. Yeah, <laughs> those lines where she's just why. The, her first lines in that movie cut like a fucking knife. Yeah. But she's done more with body language and with her eyes than any other actor in that movie. Oh, can. yeah. Holy oh, my God. Shit. Well, she she's done... This is definitely better acting. She's done better acting without saying that much than she yeah. did in the X Men. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it, like, where have I seen her? Oh, oh, she's in oh, fucking X Men. But, like, X-Men. so forgettable. Yeah. But, like, she... she it has a pretty prominent role in those movies and not to like knock her. I don't think it's her. I think it's just writing and everything. And there's Hugh Jackman and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like those movies aren't about her, but she's in a fucking superhero movie. I should remember that she is the very forgettable role. I don't know what she does in any of those movies. And I've seen all of them. And, um, she, what? She was rogue. Yeah, I know, but like I don't really like. Yeah, <laughs> all I remember is like stuff with Ice Man and stuff, but like very, very vague memories. This hit me so hard that for you know I I got choked up in that bank scene where I was like, oh fuck, like no real emotional connection yeah. throughout the rest of this movie. Like it wasn't like I I got a little I was like oh that that's heartbreaking when he kills Hoffa, but you know the scene in the bank was like. Boom! Just a gut punch and like incredibly yeah, tragic. I don't know. For me, it was the only line that she said in the movie when she was like, That's "She's it. like, why don't you call? Why don't you call his wife?" Oof! Mm-hmm. Oof! Like, Oof! It cuts like a knife, bro. Oh my god! Like a katana, like, like, like a samurai sword to the chest. Yeah. Jesus Christ! And everyone who says, "Listen, I'm sorry." Everyone who says that, like, no. she doesn't have any lines or whatever, they're looking at this in such a reductionist way. You're, oh my! She God. has one of the most impactful. She's part of all the impactful moments in the movie, like I the think, most impactful moments. Look, honest to God, best supporting actress for that, for the way she Honestly, acts with no lines, with no yeah. dialogue. That takes. That's acting. That's yeah. acting. Yeah. She's acting in the purest and rawest. No other actor in the movie could pull off what she did. 
No, it's undoubtedly. So damn good. I'm not. I'm not being cynical. I'm not being patronizing. I'm not saying that like she's no. below anyone. But my sure. God, she essentially ascends. This is this. She's in part of a cast with the greats, like Hollywood greats, like and, legends: and Al Pacino, holds- Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Ray Romano. Yeah. Ray Romano! <laughs> Who is excellent in this movie. I'm Bobby some K- hero in this movie. Bobby Cavanaugh. Oh, man. Like, action. He, she's in a movie with Action no. Bronson, the great thespian. Um, <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up with two more things. I just want to say, so what, yeah. do we, what do we expect the uh, awards? Let's say this will be nominated for whatever in the Academy is in general yeah. about Netflix. Where do we see this landing? In terms of what it gets nominated for or, like, what it wins? Uh, nominations. Uh-huh. Uh, it's top five. I mean, you know the usual, the five biggest categories. Who gets yeah. Best, who gets best main director? main actor, best director, best picture, best screenplay, and um. Who gets best actor? Would... From this cast? Yeah. I no. Well, I mean, this is okay. So technically, De Niro would be the lead actor. Yeah. So because this is his role. Okay. Yeah. He deserves a nomination, but I don't think he deserves to win. I mean, yeah. This is just a. a, a what is it? This is like giving a, a Meryl Streep a nomination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you just do it. <laughs> Pacino deserves a serious recognition, if not the, the Oscar, for his role as Jimmy Hoffa. Um, because I I personally think uh, Joaquin Phoenix is the best actor of the year. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that, wasn't, that was actually, that was a really good role on his end. Also, it's Dolomite's so fucking good. Yeah, and he, he, I don't watch it. Oh, it's on Netflix. I, I recommend it. Like, watch this. It's, 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 it's right. so first start, but it ended really well. Um, Eddie Murphy gives like his best performance. It was ever. a disaster artist, but <laughs> it was a disaster artist, but of a different time. Okay. Um, but it was really they literally followed the plot of the disaster artist, but for this movie. Okay. But, so I think Pacino, uh, supporting actor. I think Pesci should get nominated too, just because. <laughs> Can you can you do two people? Oh, yeah, and... yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like that's that's a thing. You've done it it's Fuck it, why not? Um, uh, <laughs> Marty, Marty for best director. Marty should yeah. win if Parasite doesn't get any not any nominations. I just saw that movie. That's a good movie. Yo, yeah. I just saw it. I just saw it too. That movie was amazing. I haven't yeah, seen it, but crazy. I think the Oscars are dumb with foreign films because they don't. They, you yeah, it's really stupid with it sometimes. Um, no. Nah. Hold up. This, you know the funny thing, though? I saw the movie Midsummer because I had not seen it at all. Uh-huh. Um, so I finally saw it over the weekend. And right after I finished watching Midsummer, I'm like, let's put on another movie. So I'll watch Parasite right afterwards. And I'm like, damn, this movie is way better. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I liked Midsummer. I was like, damn, I like this movie. But it, it could have ended better. And I watched Parasite. I'm like, damn, I couldn't have made a better ending than that. <laughs> Did you watch the extended cut of Midsummer? I haven't seen it yet. But. I've seen the regular cut, but not the, oh, mid, the extended cut. There we go. No wonder I saw. Yeah. Okay, I've so heard I saw it's way better. Halfway through, like I fell asleep, uh-huh. and I started over from the beginning. But I, I was like, "Yo, I definitely do not remember like these parts in this movie where they're showing like, oh, the death of this family." I'm like, I don't remember seeing this part. Yeah, I need to watch the extended, extended cut. version. I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. No wonder. So I did see the extended version. Explains. But like, it could have, it could have used more of an ending. And mm-hmm. the guy that played the boyfriend, it w- was bothering me that he kept looking like 
Seth Rogen the whole time. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, okay, so we back would back never to put that together. Hold on, back to the yeah, the Irishman. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Anna Pack won Best Supporting Actress. She won't win it. Um, because I'm, I'm trying to she won't nominated because her role was so minuscule. So You'd be surprised. I wonder. You'd be surprised. Is... <laughs> like, how minuscule roles have been nominated. Alan Alda was nominated for The Aviator. He was in that movie for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I was going to ask, is there, like, a limit of, like, you need to have this much time? No, you like, don't, because yeah. have been, there have been, like, literal like, nothing has been nominated. And it, it, it I don't think, like, a time should be a, a factor. It, no, I don't think so either. Um, I, I just wonder, look, like, they have rules for that kind of shit. I, if I was running this thing, which, you know, would be a better place, it would be <laughs> both. Look, it'd be true, because in my perfect world, Logan would have been nominated for Best Picture. And, and would have won. It would have won. It would have won for sure. And this year, um, you know, Primal by Genny Tartovsky would have been nominated for Best Picture, but it won't. So, um, in, in a perfect world, it would be both Anna Paquin and the young girl who played Peggy nominated for the same award. Interesting. Because they're both so good. A, a joint, yeah, a joint Oscar. Playing the same character uh, at different points, but I think it, it, it. I don't. I think it'll. I don't know if it'll be ignored because you can't ignore uh, Scorsese. But the thing is, we got, we got, imagine, like, we have his peer, Spielberg, saying Netflix movies shouldn't be nominated. Oh, shut the fuck up, Boomer. <laughs> he said that a while ago, though, right? Like, I'm, I wonder if he'd walk back. He said that Yeah, okay. Uh, that fuck yeah. That movie, All right. uh, that movie was freaking Oscar-worthy beautiful. And he, yeah. And it was nominated for the top prize. It was nominated, for, and it won Best Director. But, yeah, yeah, yeah Spielberg, fucking Boomer. Um, I love him, though, but I hate him. Okay, and then my last point. So, of the movies we haven't mentioned, let's go around. What is your favorite Scorsese film that, of, like, that we haven't talked about extensively? Kate, I'll throw it to you first. Um, so, I it's hard to narrow it down to just one that we haven't talked about, but uh, I, I would say Shutter Island is a, is a dope movie. I, I Have you guys seen Shutter Island? I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I love that movie. That movie, movie was fucking rules. Yo, when I saw that movie twice in theaters, the first time I saw it, I thought the editing was shit. <laughs> the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, wait, never mind. The editing is actually brilliant. It's made to look confusing on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that movie, like, I, for the longest time, I had no idea that movie was made by Martin Scorsese because I watched it when I was like 10 years old, didn't really know who Martin Scorsese was. Oh. And I was just like, this is a dope horror movie. And then. Years later, I found out. I'm like, whoa, he made that? Like like I said at the very beginning, that dude has range when he makes movies. He, he, you know, he, he has styles, but his styles are almost restricted to the genres that he, he mm-hmm. goes to. You know, like gangster movies that he makes, you can definitely feel the DNA of, like, Goodfellas and other, other movies. Um, but then his horror stuff is, like, I, I, I think Shutter Island... CJ, you have to watch Shutter Island. I will, it's, I will. I, it's fantastic. I, the thing is, Scorsese, it's, it's funny. Again, all, like we said earlier, all, he can direct like 50 different genres, but they all like have that sort of unique... Like, Shutter Island's a love letter to old horror films, for sure. Old yeah. horror films. Because that's his thing. He, he, he loves movies. That's what we all need to know. He's a student of film. And yeah. if you want, oh read, read this guy's list of favorite movies of, de- of certain <laughs> decades... It's like a, a, a master class in how to how to watch movies. And mm-hmm. so Shutter Island, yeah, at first glance it's like why is Scorsese directing a seemingly big, wide like a that seems like a very like popcorn yeah. movie to make. On the surface, yeah. Yeah, but he God, he I mean it's Scorsese. He does it with some subtlety. Thelma Schumann again, yeah. 
she is a goddess at at, at editing, and she I think and before we are I, we go to early right now like I think we, we really we are, we're understating she is quite possibly the greatest editor of all time. Because, what else has she done outside of Scorsese movies? I think it's I mean mostly Scorsese. She's done some other smaller okay. stuff, but like, sure. Come on, like yeah, have you those seen, movies stand on their own. Like. Yeah. I, it, it, it influenced Edgar Wright's editing in some capacity. You know what I'm saying? Like, in, in, some, like yeah, in, yeah. In the, in how quick it is, and how for, in, the, the Irishman was super slow moving, but the editing in that movie, oof, perfect. Yeah. it wasn't it's like the reason. Yeah. It's the reason I couldn't stop. I I was planning on watching it in pieces, the Irishman, but like it was so engaging. I like I I was like cancel my plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the. Uh, the one thing I loved about the editing, it's such a you I feel like it's only a Scorsese thing and and stuff. Uh the characters who pop up with their names and their day of death and how they died. Oh. Uh that I think that's so stupid, oh, but yeah. so fucking Great funny. That, that was like beloved by all, died of yeah. natural causes. Yeah. Great. That's yeah. Why it's, so, it's again it's so funny. It really is. Yeah. Um Arlie, what is your favorite uh, Scorsese movie that we haven't talked about? Oh, before I get into it, I was going to ask Kate if he thought, um, like, I felt, the only thing about Shutter Island, I love that movie so much, but, like, mm-hmm. like I just feel like DiCaprio kind of hams it a little bit, <laughs> especially with, yeah. with his New England accent, was a little over the yeah. It was, it's like, uh, over the top than Matt Damon and Good Will Hunting, you know? Yeah. Like, um, I don't think do DiCaprio federal masks, like he says it yeah. just like that. yeah. Um, but yeah. I, and I honestly think the best actor in that movie was Ben Kingsley. Yeah, he's great. How yeah, scary, like, like I said, how scary, I how scary is it? Like, to someone it's pretty up. freaky. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely creepy. Extreme. Okay. It's definitely uh-huh. creepy. It's unsettling. Okay. Yeah, it's, because it's a it's like a noir thriller. Okay, that's the yeah. best. Way it. It's a noir psychological thriller. There, I remember being terrified uh, as a child. You know. Uh, watching the trailers for that movie before I'd go to other movies, there's there's a shot of like I think it's a, a old woman, um, yes. and she's like shushing. She's like, Shh. oh fuck, bone chilling. So my favorite, one of my favorite Scorsese movies I'm going to talk about wasn't going to be Shutter Island. It's going to be The Color of Money. Came out in the '80s, Oof, uh, starring Tom Cruise and Paul Newman, which is a very Unlike most of Scorsese's movies, this movie wasn't violent at all, but it still had to deal with the current, like a sort of underworld. This had to deal with pool, with pool hall hustlers, you know. But the real story it's that it's about a master and apprentice. It is about Paul Newman, who was once a pool hall hustler. He knew the tricks of the trade. He knew how to hustle everyone. He used to do big contests and make month and make money, uh, like that. But he was out of the game for a while, so he just had his own pool hall, just chilling. And suddenly comes this hot shot, played by Tom Cruise, Captain who's got Cruise. skill, but he doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the confidence to just like make it his own. So you know, he's like he takes him under his wing. Let's do the same thing. You know, let's learn a thing or two. It's a very wholesome movie for the most part, but I think it was a very well done movie. Very good music. And it was just a very that's a good movie for a Scorsese film to have such a positive note like that. It, it, and that Fox. is another popcornish film. You know what I'm saying? Very commercial, which isn't a bad thing. But I will say, like, because even his, his most commercial... funny because that movie wasn't that big. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Paul Newman is nominated for an Oscar for it. 
I think, yeah. We killed it in that movie. Um, and it's funny. I just love, it's just amazing to see pre-Scientology Tom Cruise and stuff. Um, I, I, I will say, so my, my personal favorite, I talked about it before, but I do think I want to give it like a little bit more of a spotlight. Um, this is probably my second or third favorite, depending on the Irishman's place. This is my like top like three Scorsese movies, and that is um and my favorite De Niro performance in any movie, and that is the King of Comedy. Okay. So the King of Comedy is one of the most horrifyingly funny movies ever made. It is about an obsessed uh fan of this comic played by Jerry Lewis. Um sorry, like Jerry Lewis plays the comic, Robert De Niro plays the fan named Rupert Rupert Pumpkin Pumpkin, I forgot how he pronounced it, but it's and he wants to be on the show. And he has these delusions, similar to how Joker was, where he had these sort of delusions of things. This one takes it a step further. He, he like essentially imagines whole conversations and friendships with this one guy. He ends up kidnapping him and doing this whole shebang. But it ends on such a positive note also. But it's also kind of just scary. Like, oh shit, this is like a super fan that's, that's creepy. Uh, this whole thing. And I love like the last line that he, one of the last lines he says, like, you know, better be king for a day than schmuck for a life. And I love that. It's very New York. It's filmed in New York, of course. You know, Scorsese and his love affair with the city. Um, and it, it, it feels very much in the same vein as uh, as a taxi driver or a uh, Mean Streets or what or whatever. It, it all it all kind of like falls into that same category. But I absolutely adore it. A very underrated Scorsese movie from that era. And I, I definitely like recommend it, even above the other ones. But I, I think that'll I think that'll do it. And we 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 we, we talked. We went off. Um, yeah. it, look, I will say, it, 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 he is Scorsese is truly the greatest director of all time at this point. I, there is no arguable. Yes, at least of that era. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I do love Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. I do love Wes Anderson. And I do love Paul Thomas Anderson. And the I mean, I love the Coens too. But Scorsese, there is no Scorsese. There is no other Scorsese but him. There is no other yeah. sort of like student of film with like him. There is no other mind like him. Really didn't name the greatest director of all time. Wow, I'm upset. Yeah, exactly. You know, I he did not named the greatest director of all time. Yeah. Shame. The he's, shame. On, he, he's on the Mount Rushmore of uh, Direct. best directors. A hundred percent. Oh, oh, what about what about the guy who made Space before we went on the moon? Oh, I filmed the moon landing. Oh, okay. oh Stanley Kubrick. Oh, Kubrick's yeah. up, okay, Kubrick's up there. Uh, the Coens are up Kubrick, there. No, Kubrick's not up there. He is the top. You're right, you're right. <laughs> Everyone sure. has to like go below Kubrick, basically. So Kubrick's all the way up, because Kubrick is Kubrick. Then we have Scorsese. Then we have the Coens. Then we have like everyone else, in my opinion. Sure. Okay, Tarantino, whatever, man. I, the Coens are better than Tarantino, but that's another discussion <laughs> for another podcast. Uh, Cade, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on GameZone.com. I am the editor-in-chief of that website. Reviews of video games and the occasional blockbuster film. And uh, really? also... Video games? Oh, bro, yeah, I'm a fucking nerd. Um... <laughs> The uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Cade underscore under C A D E underscore O N D E R. Um. Okay. Fucking. Arlie, where can we look What are you up to? You can find me on Instagram, Sirfons S I R F O N Z. Um. Just mostly my photography, uh, RT shit, and whatnot. 
Uh, or you can find me on Twitter saying depressing things. Oh, according, man, according to oh. CJ, I'm a depressing old man. Oh man, dude, he's like an old man. I fucking hate it. It's like a Simon and Garfunkel like poetry reading at or at least a Twitter. <laughs> oh my god, it's like an Elliot Smith song. God, it's, <laughs> it's like an, it's like it's like a '90s indie without getting too political. Yeah, oh my god, it's like it's like the worst Radiohead album you've ever listened to. <laughs> uh, it is Sir Fonzley, S I R F O N Z L E Y. Uh, you know, yeah. Now you know where to find me on the bird. Um, you can find me at Waypoint Set CJ. I am writing a review of both The Irishman and Knives Out, as well as other fun video game stuff. We're at the almost the end of the year and the end of the decade, so I'm preparing a lot of stuff for both the podcast and the blog. Watching a lot of shitty movies. Just kidding. Watching a lot of great movies. Playing a lot of shitty <laughs> games. Um, and I'm going to talk a lot about it. This was a good time. Of course, find the podcast at Waypoint underscore set. We have Patreon. We have a blog. Link in the description below. Um, my Twitter, uh, fair warning, it's me wishing for new Tony Hawk game, new Duncan Adventure game, and a lot of politics. So, uh, follow me at your own risk. This has been a fun time. Um, remember, wherever the waypoint sets, we'll be there. 